okay fabe here welcome guys all my awesome patreon backers for a new series here on patreon uh that i've been looking forward to and apparently the gods in the uh, the wrestling gods in the sky don't want us to have happen uh we've been trying to do this now for i think at least a fucking month uh but we're finally getting to do it it's wrestling retrospective this is a chance where we get to go in depth with some of your favorite wrestlers and your suggestions on who we go in depth as far as their career re, uh, relive reimagine and kind of talk through and go through memory lane as far as their career highlights championship runs major matches rivalries everything that they had involved for them and this week we're going to start off with a debut episode and we're doing it with a bang we're doing it with the show off himself Dolph Ziggler but I am not alone I have with me a very good friend you might see him every once in a while with me on out of nowhere on the Joe Cronin show I got with me Mr. Countdown ended Mr. Jake DeMarco how you doing Jakey what's going on bud yeah this is certainly you know <laughs> taking some divine intervention for us to get this done Oh boy! The, maybe, the, like you said, the wrestling gods did not want us to discuss Dolph Ziggler. I mean, maybe that's a sign. Maybe that's a sign that either the show's not one, the, the show's not supposed to go, or <laughs> Dolph Ziggler's not supposed to get a push. I can't tell which one it is. But either way, uh, we've been trying to do this now for I think well over a month. But now we're here finally in the clutches. Here we go, and the show's canceled. I'm kidding. No, um, <laughs> they took show off. Yeah, a little can, too literally. Can you imagine if that, that happens? Like everything just crashes that now. I'm like, God fucking damn it. And then just the whole <laughs> thing fucking crashes. But so what we're going to do is, like I said, we're going to kind of go through and talk about the uh, career of Dolph Ziggler up until this point. Obviously, we're recording this on November 4th, uh, 2018. This is right off the heels of Crown Jewel 2018. So obviously, if you're listening to this after Crown Jewel, there might be other things that happen to Mr. Zigzag that we obviously don't have. We can't predict the fucking future. But um, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna try and do as much as we can in depth and in and uh, analysis we've we've taken the month and actually like compiled a bunch of notes done a bunch of research and we're just here to have fun of course love to hear your guys's thoughts feedback suggestions corrections if we got shit wrong and of course uh feedback on the next one that you guys want to hear because i'd love to hear your guys's thoughts and suggestions on this here social media wherever where it may be and uh yeah this is going to be a lot of fun and uh, jake uh, make sure you also hit up my good friend jake over at twitter at countdown ended also has a youtube channel i know jake you've been doing a couple things here and there but but uh, definitely want to make sure you give uh, Jakey some love over on his channel. He got some good stuff, some cool gameplays. Um, you do anything new over there in the in the near future, Jake? Uh, we're gonna start doing uh, some live wrestling gameplays. I'm also bringing back the children's uh, hospital charity live stream. So awesome. trying to set a date for that soon. So that'll be good before the end of the month. That'll be uh, that'll be going on. So awesome! I'll definitely make sure to retweet that out. So make sure you guys uh, get on that because Jake does some really cool stuff on his channel as well. But let's talk about. Dolph Ziggler. I sound depressed. Thank you kindly. I, I know. You, you just bring him up, and it's like, ah, but you think, what was the most recent thing we saw? We saw him lose to Shane McMahon for the best in the world. Yeah, you know what? I just, I, just reali- I just realized that. I'm like, oh, he was in the World Cup. I'm like, oh, wait, he lost to Shane. Yeah, he the made biggest, it to the finals. The biggest troll job. But Dolph Ziggler has, like, I think he has a love-hate relationship with WWE, just kind of talking about him in general when like, fans currently think of him. He's kind of a unique cat because I think that he's one of those guys that he had a shitty gimmick when he first got in. Like he had a a, a really crappy gimmick uh, twice, actually, if you really want to get into the into the thick of things. And then when he kind of like had the the goofy name of Dolph Ziggler, like it was just a very odd name. But he had such great in ring ability that um, people like he. I kind of and this is kind of maybe like precursing a little bit here. I felt like he was the pre Daniel Bryan. Yeah, kind of. He really did, you know, certainly have that feel to him. You figure when he first, you know, came into WWE, uh, straight from OVW, he was the caddy 
you know, for oh <laughs> for Kerwin yeah. White's yep. character. Yep. And how bad that was. You know, Chavo Guerrero Jr. going through an identity crisis as Kerwin White. Yeah, that and, was that was a weird one. But um he uh his debut in WWE. Let me just take a look here. I know that he was uh, he was signed in 2004. He was assigned in their developmental territory OVW. Uh, he debuted as himself as Nick Nemeth uh, because you know they really are creative down there. Uh, he, <laughs> he he feuded with Paul Birch and actually challenged him for the OVW television title, um, uh, but did not uh, not was not successful. But he was called up to the Raw roster shortly thereafter, making his TV debut on September 19, 2005, in the episode of Sunday Night Heat, and that's when he was made the enforcer and sidekick of Chavo Guerrero. Now, uh, Jake, you remember this, and I definitely don't want to, um, but take us through a little bit about the um, Chavo Guerrero. I remember that they switched him over to Raw. They just did the superstar, like what basically was the superstar, super, I can't talk, superstar shakeup. Why am I tongue-tied when I try to say that? And instead they did a draft. And I remember Chavo was one of the ones of the supplemental, but he came over. This was right before Eddie passed. This was September of 2005, and they changed him over into... Kerwin White. Yeah, and I hope for some reason in my mind, I always felt like this was after Eddie, you know, AE, and and unfortunately it wasn't. Like, no. For in my mind, I always played it off because, you know, Eddie passed away. What November two thousand five? Yeah, yeah November thirteenth. So another week from now, and wow, it's been that long, huh? Thirteen years. Yeah, that's, it, that's, yeah, that's incredible. That time flies that fast. Yeah, like you said, they had the 2005 WWE draft, and we saw him jump from SmackDown to Raw, and he denounced his Hispanic heritage in favor of the Anglo-American way, and this came shortly after he broke up with the Mexicals, and he came up with the persona of Kerwin White, and it was just so stereotypical. You know, he was the white picket fence, middle-class conservative American, and anyone that was, you know, non-white, uh, he's he feuded with specifically Shelton Benjamin as well, and he used to come out with the <laughs> oh, golf God. cart and had his caddy. <laughs> and Dolph Ziggler was the caddy for him, and it, it was just it was very post Attitude Era storyline. Like it was just it was very disrespectful. Yet it it wasn't you know certainly wasn't politically correct, no. but it wasn't you know anything you wouldn't see at that point in time really you know people weren't overly sensitive to these types of racial <laughs> you know stereotypes at this point but even then with with people not really freaking out about it like there was no revolt saying like oh that's awfully racist people just thought it was idiotic and pointless it was so against what we were used to and even you know sometimes you you, you try and see things and you're like well at least we got this new guy debuting unfortunately it really buried Dolph Ziggler at that point in time to the point where he had to go back to OVW. So, yeah, the first time this is this, this is the funny thing. Though. This was the, yeah because he gets sent back twice. Now the thing yeah. with the the Kerwin White character, and I remember this very. There's two things I very vividly remember about this. Uh, the first was the green sweatshirt that was hung over his neck, and the second <laughs> the the second yeah it would with the khakis yeah, but but his theme song too wasn't it like. Um, Oh, I don't. I think it was a Jim Johnston creation, but it sounded like um, Sinatra. Yeah, it kind of had that feel to it. Yeah, and I remember they kind of brought uh, Nick Nemeth in. They didn't really give him a name. He wasn't really. No. Any, he didn't have a name associated with him. He was just the caddy because yeah. they were really playing up his his swing. Which and it is funny to like you said how you not only not only was this predating predating Eddie Guerrero, this was predating Eddie Guerrero by about two months. Yeah. 
It wasn't that long until afterwards we saw him, uh, unfortunately, pass away, in which case he would just kind of revert back to everything. But, of course, after the uh, death of Eddie Guerrero, he dropped the current white character, and Nemeth no longer played the role and was no longer his tag team partner. And, of course, after a few more dark matches, was sent right back over. But don't worry, fear not, because our boy Nick Nemeth had another character transformation and became... God damn it. He went from a caddy to a member of a male cheerleader group. <laughs> yeah, this was... Oh, this was just absolutely heinous, and I always despised the Spirit Squad. Uh, this was a group of five wrestlers, and the Spirit Squad, you know, they were trained in, you know, real cheerleaders trained in gymnastics to make sure that they were believable as, you know, the, the, their roles demanded. So these guys had to go and train, <laughs> you know, full on as cheerleaders. And I always thought that was amusing, you know, talk about dedication at that point in time. But they wanted it to be believable. So, yeah, they had their television debut as a group appearing on Raw. They came in with Jonathan Coachman and they won, you know, to help him win a Royal Rumble qualifying match against the King. And they were performing cheers. I remember, you know, they tried to distract the Lawler. And they eventually went on to be like Vince's new lackeys slash yes. like kind of in the corporation, kind of like, you know, 3.0 at that yes. point in time. It was yes. very, uh, very just bizarre. You know, it, it, it's like you saw Vince have this powerhouse of wrestlers surround him at one point in time. You know, when I think of the corporation, I think of The Rock and, you know, early on, Big Boss Man and. Now you have the Spirit Squad, you know, Nikki, <laughs> Mikey, Kenny, you know, and they were just very, uh, Joe hates this word, effervescent, but they were very bubbly and, and it was supposed to get on your nerves, but it worked too well. They were just too happy, too, too arrogant, and it was very, very irritating for a lot of wrestling fans. I do remember um, that there was, I don't think there was any vignettes or promos for their debut. I knew that they tested the waters with this in OVW. I remember they, because they, I remember they like debuted on Raw and then they were right back in OVW because there was like a, a thing with CM Punk where they showed him like, and they were like blowing the horn and you can't help but laugh at the gimmick. It's, it's, it is, you're right. It is like supremely annoying because what's worse than cheerleaders Male cheerleaders, male cheerleaders <laughs> with a loud horn, and that's really like, and their heels on top of it. So you, you, you know, you're like, you're really nailing, you know, the final nail in that coffin. So you can't really like, you know, looking back on, it, I remember because I was, I was a fan at the time they were, you know, they were on TV, and I remember that it was, it was just like, what, what the hell is this? Like we're looking for like new, innovative, like creative outlet characters, and we get five guys that are cheerleaders jumping with, like, the little trampolines and and everything. Um, I remember, I can't remember who it was, I think it was Mikey who had the horn, and I was just laughing my ass off because he would just blow the horn any time that he, that he could. But it was just seemingly out of, you know, no pun intended, out of nowhere because there were no vignettes, there were no build to it, and all of a sudden they just, like, distracted the king. It wasn't like they involved themselves in a match. They just did a cheer for the coach. Talk, and that was like, all like, that was required to distract, you know, the Hall of Famer. <laughs> like, That's what all the, it like, took. It just like think of like the like like the caddy thing is one thing. It's it's a it's a it's a bodyguard shtick gimmick, fine, whatever. But he's coming back and repackage, and you're introducing not one, not two, but five guys in a stable. Which again, you look back at stables, you never think how successful the Spirit Squad was. But 
it's just so bizarre, especially at that time. That was uh, that was uh, 06, right? Yeah, that was 2006. Yeah, yeah, it was 2006. And, and you know, this was an idea from Vince's loins himself. Like, this he was oh, proud of. Of course of. it was. Of course it was. He went ahead and, I, you know, I've read different things along the way and Dolph Ziggler doing interviews and whatnot. And apparently <laughs> Elijah Burke was supposed to be in here with the three other guys, with with, <laughs> with the Dolph Ziggler. Nick Mitchell, Ken Doan, and, and originally, like I said, Elijah was going to be in there. And he felt like he wasn't going to be able to perform the acrobatics and be able to keep up with everybody else. So he chose to stay in OVW. Now, that was his official answer. Really, he thought it was just a silly gimmick and that it was going to be to the detriment of him. And I will say that, you know, the five men that did end up, you know, finalizing the group, you had Johnny Jeter and Mike Mondo join in after even to the detriment of their careers, they sold this 110%. They gave it their all time in and time out. There was never a point where they weren't out there, like, remember to smile, remember, you know, they, they didn't look miserable in the gimmick. Like, they, they, they treated it as this was their big break. So I will give the five of them credit for that. But No, you're right. They ne- <laughs> no, they ne- no, I'm just laughing. No, I, t- to your point, yes, I do remember that there was never a point where I felt like they ever half-assed it. That is 110%. Yeah. I, I go, agree with you with that. I'm just laughing at the fact that if Elijah Burke was, was part of the Spirit Squad, it would just be one of those things of, one of these things is not like the other. One of these things just doesn't <laughs> exactly. belong. Can you, I just, it, I'm just trying either, to imagine either. that. Either, neither. <laughs> just what? Yeah, uh, just oh, so random. So, I mean, they go on to feud and defend Vince McMahon when he had that long feud with Shawn Michaels. Yep. And he, you know, eventually you would, would later towards their, their demise see them, you know, feud with DX. But before that, they actually had a, a run with some gold. They won the World Tag Team Championship. And, uh, you know, not they. I believe they defeated... Uh, was it Big Show and Kane? Yes, yeah. I, yes, I, yeah. okay, yeah. Because I remember and... what happened was, I remember right before, so we we saw them around like WrestleMania time, then Vince had his match with Sean at, 20, at uh, 22. Yes. Um, and then after that, that's when the Spirit Squad started to get involved, and that's when like the relationship with Vince and, and the Spirit Squad kind of became more uh, like obvious on screen. And yeah. I remember, I think, I could be wrong, I think it was the Raw right after um, WrestleMania that they beat Big Show and Kane for the World Tag Team titles. And I remember it being very interesting because for the first time in, as a fan, the Freebird rule was in effect. Yes, actually, you're right. And that was on the April 3rd episode of Raw. So, so we And had... then uh, Backlash on May 1st, uh, the five members of Spirit Squad were named co-general managers of Raw. So, I mean, they, they, Wait, <laughs> that's the night after, night after Backlash. So, I mean, they, they made it up into that pay-per-view, and I forgot all about that. They had their co-general manager run for a little bit as well. I remember the the backlash thing because it was a tag team match. And I, and I remember this because I reviewed it um, on Patreon, cheap plug. Yes. Um, <laughs> where it was Sean, it was Vincent Shane McMahon against Shawn Michaels and God. And then the Spirit Squad ended up jumping in the ring, and they basically interfered, and they did that amazing finisher, which I don't know if you remember their finisher, but their finisher... <laughs> <laughs> We've seen so many great tag team finishes in the day. We've seen like the 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 heart um, the heart foundation doing the uh, their their finishing move. We've seen the, the the Legion of Doom doing the Doomsday Device. We've seen uh, so many the 3D, and then we have five guys grabbing the limbs of one person and throwing them up like a goddamn parachute. Yes, you know what you you was used to do for fun in kindergarten, you know, and and it's have that huge parachute. Everyone would sit, you know, in Indian I, style. I, and... I I will say this: it looked like shit on the Big Show. I remember this, but with Sean, he fucking flew up in the air. Yeah, well, Sean, you know, 
could sell anything and make it look incredible, but... Well, he is holier than now, so I mean, there you go. <laughs> That's for sure. Sean did eventually team with God around this time, too. I think it was at that Backlash pay-per-view that that happened. So. Right, yeah. But, um, you know, and with, with their co-general manager run, they actually put Kenny into a title match with John Cena, and Triple H played the uh, special guest referee for that match. And that's when uh, Jerry the King Lawler quit the show in like that little work shoot promo that he had. So that was a, a big time for that as well. Is it, you know they had basically called um, Joey Styles into the office saying like, "Oh, you're going to call Kenny's match and you're going to do it with spirit," or they would force him to, you know, call all of the Raw episodes in the female cheerleading uniform. And <laughs> you know, it, it was it was quality tv at its finest yeah you know they had that whole work shoot promo and and you saw styles like be like all right peace out i'm done leaving jerry lawler you know (laughs) god i do remember um after the backlash thing though because with the spirit squad and i just thought this was really funny because i don't know about you i don't remember the build if if you remember the build going to backlash but vince was just mocking god the yeah. whole time. And I remember when the Spirit Squad came in, he goes, it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit Squad. I'm like, you've got to be get, kidding me. Come on, God. Get down and boogie. Oh, God. Yeah, I remember that. In the spotlight. So, you know, they they you know they obviously didn't win the, uh, the World Heavyweight Championship that, at that point in time. Triple right. H walked out. But Vince uh, signed a handicap match, putting the Spirit Squad against Shawn Michaels. And... They attacked Michaels, ripping apart his ring attire, and they shattered his knee with a steel chair. So then Triple H got called in to attack Michaels with a sledgehammer, and that's when they, you know, they led them to a, you know, Triple H attacking the group, and that's when him and Sean started to form DX again. So they began as a team to feud with the Spirit Squad, and this is where all like you know the pranks started happening on each other, and yep. it led to. Uh, them getting the crap <laughs> dumped all over them in the ring, and yep. or was it on the ramp actually for them? No, it was in the ring, you know. And uh, that's one of the classics for DX, and they really put them, you know, the Spirit Squad through the ringer with all the pranks that they would pull on them. So, right. kind of a, a funny reunion, but it took a lot of goading for Sean to come back with the DX point then. And, but it was entertaining, you know. It really they kind of showed their age at this spot, and here we go. We just saw the main event, you know, uh, <laughs> crown jewel. So it's a, you know, history repeats itself. But, Boom. You know, it, it was it was after this time. You know, they eventually dropped the tag titles, and um, you would see them continue on. But it wasn't at Survivor Series. The, the squad went on to face the legends of Ric Flair, Sergeant Slaughter, Dusty Rhodes, Ron Simmons. And they lost there. So whoa, that's a hell of a team. Yeah, that's actually legitimately a hell of a team because I do remember that like they, I, I do remember that they lost to DX at Vengeance. That was like DX's return match, and then afterwards they kind of faded away. I mean they they were still raw tag they were still world tag team champions and they were kind of defending them randomly, but they weren't they weren't predominantly in the same spot that they were before. Then I remember Ric Flair got involved and they were doing like these little mini matches where Flair was beating all the individual members of the Spirit Squad, and then that would ultimately lead to I think it was let me check my note. Yeah, Cyber Sunday where Yeah it was where it was Roddy Roddy Piper and Ric Flair. Yep. Yeah. And they beat them for the tag team titles, and that led to that. that that's a hell of like legit. I know that like most of those legends probably couldn't do. Obviously, they weren't in their prime, but like, it was Piper, Flair, Sergeant Slaughter, and um, Ron Simmons. Yeah, and Dusty Rhodes. So that's a hell of a freaking 
team. Yeah, with Arn Anderson, you know, in, in tow. <laughs> and I, and when you think about it too, I mean, they, that was the longest tag team title reign since Owen Hart and the British Bulldog held it for 241 what? days back in 96 and 97. They held those belts for 216 days. And, and you said, granted, they didn't, de- they didn't defend them often, but they did have a few runs where they would go ahead, you know, they defeated uh, and defended against, you know, like Jim Duggan and Eugene, Charlie Haas and Viscera, Snitsky and Val Venus. And then they had their lengthy feud with the Highlanders. So, I mean, they did defend them. Just, just It wasn't often for a little bit. But, yeah, 241 days was the longest record up until then. They held them for 216. So, that's hell, mind, of a, hell of a stat. That's you know? mind-blowing. I mean, especially if you compare it to, uh, <laughs> to Owen Hart and then British. Never thought we'd say that. Like, we're, comparison, we're, we're comparing the Spirit Squad to the British Bulldog and Owen Hart. Wow. Never, I know. Never, never, this podcast is going to go places. I can already tell. <laughs> um, so I know that afterwards they kind of just fizzled away. They did a thing where I think yeah. they lost to DX, and that's when they disbanded. Yeah, it was five on three because I believe Hornswoggle was in there as well at that point in time, <laughs> which is a whole other podcast in its own right. But oh, they, DX shoved them into that gigantic box, that huge crate that said OVW on the side of it. And it, it was such a knock to those that, you know, obviously were in the know at that point in time. Anybody that, you know, didn't know what OVW was, it was just, you know, over their head. But really, that was such a, a just an underhanded joke for them. And right. it, it, <laughs> it was unfortunate. But um, Kenny was the only one to remain on TV. And, you know, he, he stayed on his Dykstra for a while. He continued the feud with Flair that led to the squad's breakup. And this is when Dolph would go ahead and... Uh, he would he would stay for a little while, but he would go back to OVW and you know kind of find himself again and start searching for a new gimmick. Yeah, he went through a couple of them. I think I have the list here. He did try to uh, let's see here. He returned to OVW at the beginning of 07 using his name again, along with uh, Mikey Mundo, uh, formerly Mikey of the Spirit Squad, as the Frat Pack. Wow, much departure from what they had. Um, the, they disbanded in early parts of 2007, so they didn't really last long. They and then we saw him back in some dark matches uh, before teaming with uh, Mondo again in August. Uh, but in August, they would be moved to Florida Championship Wrestling. This is when they were doing the whole transition from OVW to FCW uh, and really putting a little more focus when it came to the developmental territory. Uh, but that's when he got his nickname, The Natural, and uh, became, uh, I believe, he won the tag team titles. Yes, he won the Florida Tag Team Championships with uh, Brad. Allen uh, after they did this whole thing with Taryn Terrell as their valet and it was an interesting little story but a a little uh, angle but eventually ready for this they actually defended their um, their, defeated their title uh, defended their titles against Eddie Colon which you might go as Primo Colon and uh, Eric Perez but then they lost the titles not too long afterwards long story short we get all the way to about 2008 uh, 2008 he starts doing some more tag team matches in FCW and some dark matches, and then eventually comes over to Monday Night Raw on September 15th, 2008, as Dolph Ziggler. And, you know, the, the name always really set him apart. You, you, you know, that the Dolph especially. You, know, you think of Dolph Lundgren, and you're like, he kind of has that look, though, and it was just a very odd name. And he came out when he originally, you know, re-debuted, or was repackaged, I should say, he almost had like a, uh, you know, Ramstein music video look to him. Like, that's how I always correlated it. You know, he had the, the leather, the hair was slicked back at that point. 
Um, you know, it, it was just he stood out for sure. Well, I mean, it was, defi- it, was, it was definitely a huge departure from what we've seen him in. I mean, granted, it was blonde hair, but you're right. It was a very unique name. It was a very different look. And you could tell they were trying to make him look as unique as as humanly possible. And um, But unfortunately, and I remember him like going around, everybody just introducing himself by name. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. You, you know, I'm Dolph Ziggler. I'm, you know, and, and just <laughs> person to person. And that was all we saw him because, as you were getting to, you know, unfortunately, we had a bit of a, a bit of a hiccup here. Yeah, I can't believe I found this. So he debuted on Raw on September fifteenth, two thousand eight. Not thirty days later, on October tenth, he was suspended for thirty days for a violation of the wellness policy. <laughs> oh crap! Can you can you imagine that going through all that and then like finally like okay, here we go. This is your gimmick. We're pushing <laughs> to the moon, and f you. Yeah, and they had big plans for him at this point in time, too. So, you know, it, it was a hard hit, and it was just really unfortunate, you know, timing. And, and I don't even know what, what he got popped for on the first violation, actually. It's not anything I really see discussed. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't see any specifics, but I think that was right around. I mean, remember, the wellness policy was still fairly new at this point, too, because it was uh, involved right after Ben. It was kind of introduced at the end of 2007. So it's probably about less than a year old. And I remember hearing some things about not being like a fully flushed out system and that there were there were some exceptions and there were things that were being popped up because eh, nothing's perfect. And I remember hearing that maybe I'm not sure necessarily in Ziggler's case, but I do remember hearing that there was some concerns about maybe there, you know, there's a lot of weeding out that they had to do in the first place. But he was able Yeah, to- I mean it's still on WWE.com. Dolph Ziggler suspended for wellness, you know, violation. Yep. And it just says in accordance with the wellness program, WWE has suspended Nick Nemeth. Right. For 30 days for his first violation, and that was it. But he did come back on November 17th. He was in a backstage segment with Mysterio and Shawn Michaels. And in his first match on Raw on December 1st, under Dolph Ziggler's name, he lost to Batista. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it says here just for his drug testing policy, so it, it never went any further, you know. Didn't say that he was on, like, other people, like Edge, you know, Adam Copeland, they, he came across for Somatropin, uh, Genotropin for HGH, and Stanzalol, you know, things like that. So hormones and, and uh, you know, things of steroids of such. So I, I it, it must have been something silly. but I mean, I don't see – I mean, like there was pe- – I mean, we make fun of this all the time and out of nowhere with like Jinder Mahal and other people who look roided up. And he never like came across that way, and so maybe that's what makes me think that maybe it's maybe it's something different. Like maybe yeah. Uh, do, well, it, it doesn't spe- it doesn't specify any hormones, and that had to be listed with the wellness policy violations. Anyone else that got hit for that, it says so on their suspension. That hmm. was part of the wellness policy. So anybody else you see, I mean, you have a I have a full list here of all right. violations. His just says for failed drug tests. So interesting. Well, I know that Ziggler doesn't really do a whole heck of a lot on Raw with his first like from November until basically about the time after WrestleMania. Uh, he did a couple things on Raw with uh, you know. <laughs> I just want to mention this because it's it's interesting to go back and see these like really interesting like stats. His first victory as Dolph Ziggler on television was against drum R- roll please <laughs> was it was against r Truth via countout. You know, and his, his, his first pinfall was against, you know, Charlie Haas. So, I mean, it wasn't like he was on a huge hot streak there, but. 
No, but it's just interesting to see, like, you know, the very first. Yeah, victories. the very first victory you get is by Countout against yeah. R-Truth, of all people. And then his first Royal Rumble appearance as, as the Dolph Ziggler, you know, character, he's eliminated by Kane in just 21 seconds. Aye. So not a fantastic first start off, but I mean, I've, I've heard worse. I've definitely heard better. But <laughs> now I think, and, and for me anyway, because I, I really associate Ziggler with SmackDown. Like, you, you know, there's certain wrestlers that you kind of associate with. I don't know about you, but for me, like there's yeah, certain wrestlers. Yeah, there's certainly. I, yeah, I, certain, I like associate with certain brands. And Ziggler is definitely one I, I associate with SmackDown. And he was drafted over there as part of the supplemental draft. Uh, right after WrestleMania 20, hold on, that would be 2009, so that would be 25, yes, 25, and uh, he kicked ass on SmackDown because he won a fucking title on his debut. This is, yeah, this is where I actually remember him, like, I had to look things up, you know, as far as, like, uh, his, his starting off time, and that's, I think, because of the wellness violation, not having him on TV, he just didn't stand out. Well, the way I remember first, you know, getting involved with the Dolph Ziggler character was, believe it or not, <laughs> it was The View. I was in the hospital, and, you know, they, they only had two channels on every day. So we got, you know, UPN and ABC. So The View was on, and it was, I believe, Sherry at that point in time was doing a thing with MVP. And she would go back and forth and have MVP, you know, come on the show. And he was talking to her. And she actually showed up to SmackDown to help MVP defeat the evil Dolph Ziggler when he was feuding with him. And I remember that being like, oh, that's Dolph. Like, you know, that's how I first, you know, saw him in action, really, on SmackDown. So a bit is- of an interesting insight. But that, that, you know, brought to light more the character and really showcased his feud in a different way. It shows, uh, you know, how they don't showcase those feuds Anywhere else, but like, oh, the WWE Network and things like that. They used to bring even like, you know, the U.S. titles and things like that. You know, the IC title onto talk shows, onto late night TV. Yep, yep. They don't do that anymore, you know? No, so. and it's I, I do miss that because, I mean, granted, we all know it's predetermined. We all know it's that. But I think it's, it's a badge of honor. And I think that, you know, especially now, and this is something that you and I, I think, have a very common ground about in terms of like the way titles are treated and the importance of, of championships. Even if... It's something like the U.S. title or, or or a championship that's not being well perceived on television or well not utilized. That's kind of like you know you're representing the company in a lot of ways, and that's kind of you know like you know eye roll in some cases, but it's true. I mean, obviously, it's more so of a stance with like the world title or the universal, the WWE. But I mean, especially like you take a look at. I remember after WrestleMania 32, uh, Roman Reigns and Charlotte, you know, had their championships. They had the women in the. Univers- uh, the WWE Championship at the time, and they flew out from Dallas at WrestleMania 32 to do the Today Show in the morning with the belts. They had the, like, well, Roman just won the belt and Charlotte just got the new one, and then flew back to TV to do that, and they had the championships with them. And, yeah. And, and, and I that was wish- a huge deal, you know? Yeah. And I wish they do that more often, even with, like, the tag team titles or, like, the, uh, the Intercontinental, you know, even championships that may not be the focal point of their radar I, I think that would be a really big that's a huge missed opportunity yeah i mean no matter the championship you should be treated like a champion at all times but unfortunately you know, for ziggler showcased he was, as such yeah unfortunately uh this was this was not his time so short, short-lived he he did lose the u.s title back to mvp not too long afterwards and then after that he was feuding with the great kali oh my freaking god yeah, he's. This is when Kali started going and like interfering 
uh, into Ziggler's matches, and he was trying to like gain revenge. I remember this; like it would they would both kind of go and, and interfere in each other's matches, and it, it just was very long and, and dragged out and very boring. And the big payoff for all this was at the Bash pay per view. Uh, Ziggler did defeat Great Kali in a no DQ match by pinfall, but that was after Kane interfered and attacked the Great Kali. So it really made Ziggler <laughs> feel like he couldn't even get the job done. Oh my God! Like just like such a scatter. It, it is. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. Like this 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 podcast is very interesting because when I when I was when I was talking to Jake about doing this and like kind of diving into these people, it is very interesting when you when you sift through the weeds. You think the writing's bad now. You go back and see some of these things, and it's just like, oh my, what, what in the hell? Who? Yeah, you look at the two thousand nine to to like you know eleven, and that that really showcased how piss poor most of the ideas were. Unreal. Um, but here's so he does this thing with with Kali, which isn't really you know well received, obviously. It's and- it's not even received. The fans <laughs> don't don't even they don't have the energy to boo him. They're just. I even went back and I watched this match in preparation for this, and it's it's a bad match, unfortunately. I mean, and it's it's unfortunately bad. And it wasn't long around this time, you know, where, where soon enough we'd see him with the likes of Chris Jericho in just another, you know, two years, where you know Ziggler would be on top of the world essentially in far as match quality. He just wasn't hitting all cylinders, and that's to no fault of his own. But when you're wrestling somebody like the Great Kali who can't even walk. In, you know, to the ring, it, it, you know, it looks like his knees are going to buckle out. You can't fault the guy much. He like again, he tried with what he had, but it just it wasn't clicking. Yeah, Kali, I never, I, I, I think realistically, and maybe this is just my opinion. I think Kali was hot with his feud with Undertaker when he first showed up, and then afterwards it was just. Even that, I didn't care for honestly. You know, eh, call yeah. me a cynic, but I, I just couldn't get into him. He was just so encumbered and slow and very just you know held down it felt like you know well he, it was he couldn't move he was very unathletic and it was interesting until he got in the ring yeah <laughs> that's, yeah that's, that's, of, yeah, that's yeah. true I'll, yeah. I'll give you that much he right. looked you know ominous right. and, and very brooding and like he was gonna you know <laughs> bring the heat and then you saw him walk a little and shuffle and <laughs> the theme Damn. song oh. you know the party just you know Punjabi party time now this is interesting because Ziggler then actually goes up and gets into a relationship with I compl- I did not remember this at all um Maria Canellis she ends up being his valet which I yeah thought was this just, was quite tumultuous what? as well and and pretty interesting this is where he gets into a feud with uh IC champion Rey Mysterio and Ray defeated Ziggler at Night of Champions and SummerSlam back-to-back to to retain the championship. So it it was, you know, again, this kind of was the feeling Dolph had where he would be able to get to the promised land but not enter the door, you know? He climbed that mountain, never made it to the peak. The summit couldn't be his. He would get to the point where he would have, you know, the chance to win a championship or, you know, to to enter the Rumble or to, you know, have these these big moments and and top-notch matches and he was doing okay on TV at this point, but he just, they they never pulled the trigger with him. And it, I was dumbfounded as to why he was always booked to lose. It was, it, it was a constant for him. It was weird because if you kind of look at like this, so you look at his, his, his career at this point in terms of his run, right? So he was on Raw, didn't really do a whole hell of a lot on Raw, comes over to SmackDown on his debut on SmackDown. 
wins the United States Championship, right? So you figure they're yep. gonna do they're gonna do something with him. Yeah. And, oh, they dropped a rocket to his ass. We think. Right. No. <laughs> they they put him with Kali, which all right, fine, whatever. They put him with Maria, and then he. So let me just make sure I get these notes right because I, I was reading through this, and I, I want to make sure I remember this correctly. So he feuded with the IC champion Rey Mysterio. Mysterio beat him twice. Yeah. Myster- Mysterio in then, both both times in you know major pay per view scenarios, Night of Champions and SummerSlam. So back to back. Mysterio retains. So then Mysterio drops the belt to Morrison. Ziggler feuds with Morrison, but still can't get the damn belt. Yeah, loses by countout. And then, uh, <laughs> or no, defeated Morrison, excuse me, by countout in a non-title match, but then he lost at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. That's what it was. So <laughs> so he beats him when the, when the title's not on the line. Granted, it's by countout, but he loses to him at Hell in a Cell. So now we saw him lose, Night of Champions, SummerSlam, Hell in a Cell. And now Ziggler goes ahead and basically starts to blame, you know, Maria Kanellis as this is her fault. And she accidentally cost him the match with Morrison. And he calls off his relationship following uh, Hell in a Cell. So they're no longer together. So, so freaking weird. And I, and then I have here really nothing much else happening other than him. After this, he, he again failed to capture the IC title twice from Morrison. <laughs> So oh, both uh, one was on, you know, the first one on SmackDown was a double countout, and then the other one was he lost in a two out of three falls match the following week, and that ended the feud. So now he's he's lost over half a dozen matches, title matches in a row, right? Without without winning the Intercontinental Championship, yes, never captured that at this <sighs> point. Ay ay ay. So, and the the one thing I do want to make a stress though here is, even though he hasn't won the mid card title, and he is he did, and he is challenging for these a lot. The the one thing I do distinctly remember around, I think it's either this time frame because we're we're towards the end of two thousand nine and we're going into two thousand ten, and I remember distinctively like this time frame, kind of being the time where Ziggler's in ring performance is starting to be appreciated. So he hasn't won. Aside from one U.S. title reign so far, and kind of really like, like just on the cusp of winning the Intercontinental Championship, I remember very distinctively because I think it was because I can't, I, there was some match that happened. It might have been a Morrison match, but yeah, it was he uh, Morrison and Our Truth where he qualified uh, to compete in the Money in the Bank ladder match that people were very fond of. Maybe that was it. Yeah, because he was. I, I remember he was at WrestleMania 26. Um, in the, Again, not successful in the Money in the Bank ladder match, but there were freaking ten people in that one. Yeah, that one was uh, very you know stacked. <laughs> unfortunately, I mean, big look, names there. And look, I'm all in favor. I like I love me the Money in the Bank ladder matches. I really do because it creates the intrigue and promise of who could be the next big star that breaks out and and the the concept of cashing in. I actually love the concept of the Money in the Bank, but I just remember the, the, the why do you need ten people? It was first six. Then it was eight. Then they bumped it to ten. It's like, I mean, fuck, we're gonna have like a fucking battle royal at one point. Good God! Yeah, and there was you know Evan Bourne, Jack Swagger, Christian, Matt Hardy, um, obviously Dolph Ziggler. I, I don't even remember who else was in it at that point. You know, there was there was quite a few. Make, <laughs> I'm trying to remember you're everybody. Make, you're gonna make me look it up. God damn it! Hold on. Um, let's see. That was two thousand. Because I remember that was the one that 
Swagger won, right? Yes. yes. Yeah, and it he was... cashed in on Jericho like just a few days later. Talk about mid-card mania. Shelton Benjamin, Christian Kane, Matt Hardy, Drew McIntyre, <laughs> Kofi, Kofi Kingston, Evan Bourne, MVP, Ziggler, and Jack Swagger. Wow. You talk about a mid-card buffet. <laughs> Jeez. But, but see, that's how it should be in my eyes. You know, that's no, why I, I always felt Money in the Bank was something used to elevate mid cards to the main event level. Now we see guys like Dean Ambrose, Roman Reigns. You know, they have to. You know, John Cena. I feel like these people don't need the Money in the Bank, and and this is where you should have seen somebody like an Ember Moon win it instead of Alexa Bliss. Or right. you know, it, this is this was always designed to one offer somebody that had no direction or feud a chance to have something to do. And two, to elevate a newer talent to a new level. And somehow along the way, they lost their guidance with that. I think because they, I think they wanted to like kind of create like the upper, to give the people, maybe it's a creative, um, uh, what's the hell I'm looking for? Like a creative lazy like plot loophole to like, oh. Yeah, they, a faux no, pas. <laughs> yeah, basically that's the only way I can really describe it the most. But I think at this point, this is kind of when, Ziggler's luck is about to change because now we're going into 2010 and in June he begins a very romantic online storyline online on TV storyline with one Vicky Guerrero and I think this is really where things start to pick up. Yeah, I mean, you know, June 2010 we see him like you said, he's with Vicky and we head into July. He defeats Chavo Guerrero and MVP in a triple threat match. He qualifies for the SmackDown Money in the Bank pay-per-view ladder match. And this is where Money in the Bank started to really get its own pay-per-view. And each brand was getting its own you know, match and briefcase. He again failed to win the match, but he really started to, like, as you said, in, impress people. So now SmackDown again was taped at this time. You know, people tend to forget that. So... At the July 28th tapings um, of the August 6th episode of SmackDown, Dolph Ziggler defeated Kofi Kingston to finally win the IC title for the very first Holla time. Holla freaking Luyah. And it, it was a very good match, by the way. So I do remember especially that. Especially considering, you know, match. his previous matches. Yes, and I do re- You know what's funny? I distinctly remember that because he was really, like, you could tell he was um, very very like excited and like generally like f yeah this is it yeah f and yes 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 like i I just remember like the genuine feeling of like finally he's busted his ass and he's like because let's face it the intercontinental championship is always held in higher regard compared to the u.s title i think even even when cena had it ic title was still meant more yeah it it really did it it certainly to me was always the number two belt even nowadays, you know, it's 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 supposed to be like WWE Championship, Universal Championship, and they pretty much regard the Universal Championship as their top tier belt. Right. Um, you know, even now with UFC, you know, champions saying, "Oh, bring your belt over to to you know talking about Brock, bring your belt with you, your WWE belt." So, Universal titles being held in high regard. So now it would be kind of the number three, but still, yeah, it was always you know one behind the main championship. That's for sure. That's how I viewed it as well. But Ziggles is on a pretty decent run here because I think he holds the championship, um, I think, for most of 2010 at that point. Uh, Yeah, for the rest of 2010. He goes ahead at SummerSlam 
He retains against Kofi Kingston, but that's due to interference from the Nexus. So, oh god, that yeah, that, we're that. we're at the Nexus at this point. Then he defends it successfully in Night of Champions against, uh, I believe it was Caval at that point. Uh, he no, it was Kingston again at Night of Champions, and it was Caval, and then Caval. Oh, Caval at Survivor, Survivor Series. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. that because I was like, holy shit, they're giving him a shot at the Big Four. That's right. Yep. Yep. And then uh, trying to go off some memory here. And then he uh, from there defended it successfully at tables, ladders and chairs in the three way ladder match against Kofi Kingston and Jack Swagger. And then uh, he lost it finally to Kofi Kingston at SmackDown January 4th. And that was a five month reign at 160 days. That's not bad. Now that's that's where like his luck started. That's I remember. I remember that because he was on a tear as IC champion. Because I think, and I have to look back at this, um, because yeah, if the Nexus came in at survive, I think this was also the same year. Because I think when was when was um, oh my god, this is gonna this is gonna date me. When was bragging rights? Um, Ooh. Uh... I think they did it for two years, but I remember there was a hell of a match with him and Daniel Bryan. Yes, yeah. And it was him. I have to look it up now. God damn it! Uh, it was. It had. To I want to say 2012, but it had to have been 2000. It had to have been 2010 if Nexus was involved. Let me see if I can find it here. Um, yeah, it was the opening match. It was the intermission match. It was Daniel Bryan who was the U.S. champion on Raw versus Ziggler as the IC champion on SmackDown. Oh, it was 2010. Okay. Oh man, that I, I remember distinctly, and I think that was really the point where people were really getting behind him in terms of um, uh, his in-ring ability and yeah. just really being able to carry. I mean, good God, him and it was basically him and Kingston in all of 2010. Yeah, they they basically, like, as you said, because they went back and forth and back and forth, and he had many successful defense, you know, and retained every time in 2010. So, and Holy shit. the uh, so after he loses the belt to Kofi Kingston, we get to I have here the top five fan voted Dolph Ziggler matches, and number four on the list actually comes up right here, even though he wasn't successful. We'll get into it. So. He goes ahead, Dolph Ziggler, uh, even though he lost the IC title, that same night he won a fatal four-way match against Cody Rhodes, McIntyre, and the Big Show to become the number one contender for the World Heavyweight Championship. It's a weird fatal four-way. Oh, wait, this right? was his title match at the Rumble, right? Yes. Yeah. So this is number four. Ziggler, he was unsuccessful in his match against Edge. But I want to talk about this match really quick. This match was fantastic. It had such drama. Edge was really at the peak of his game at this point in time. They laid it all out there. The fans were nuts, and, I mean, you you just saw them. I really thought Ziggler had captured it at one point when, you know, he went ahead and just hit the famous or perfect and just the, the, the closest near fall you had seen in a long time. And even with Vicky Guerrero getting involved and, you know, you had people on the outside and the females, you saw him get the zigzag and it was another just such near fall. But Edge hits the spear, you know, it's just he he got the better of Ziggler at that point in time. But still, fantastic match. A lot of great intensity and near fall moments. So I do remember uh, Ziggler kind of getting in the rumble. And this was kind of when the rumble was really... 
um, an interesting scenario because I felt like at this point in time, the Rumble, when it came to like the championship matches, you would see a mid-carder or a guy you would have never thought to be a person who could win the title would challenge for the championship because you would stuff all the big players in the Rumble match. And that even though you kind of knew that maybe that person wouldn't win the championship, you were in for an interesting treat to kind of maybe tease them and say, oh, well... Let's see how they how the crowd reacts in this scenario, even though they're not going to give him the championship run. But I remember distinctly how great this was because Vicky was kind of doing like the the flirtation with with uh, Ziggler. She was kind of I think she was either she had to have been this she was the SmackDown GM at this point I think. And, yes. and so it was the whole dynamic of well she was with Edge first and now it was like I think even I, I might be skipping ahead here I think she didn't she ban the spear. You know I think so at one point. I believe because I remember that's they had what a... it was. Uh, yes, yeah, I'm going yeah. through my notes. Yeah, she banned the spear because uh, let's see here. That was February fourth. Yeah. yeah, and she said if Edge used it, Ziggler would be awarded the title. Right. So it was it was a you know fun stipulation. It reminds me when Teddy Long did that for Hell's Gate, you know, with the submission hold and with CM Punk facing The Undertaker. And I, I always kind of enjoy it when they do that, if it's done wisely. You know, it really is such a heel tactic to take away, you know, a move from your repertoire, especially something as devastating as a finisher. So, uh, unfortunately, he, you know, he was defeated by Edge in a rematch as well, February 11th. And because, but because Edge used the spear, Guerrero declared Ziggler the new champion on the February 14th episode of Raw. But they never officially recognized it, I think. Yeah, the, it didn't actually go through. Prior to Ziggler's official coronation ceremony on SmackDown, uh, Guerrero fired Edge, claiming that he had attacked SmackDown General, Man- uh, General Manager Theodore Long several weeks prior. However, Long interrupted Ziggler's ceremony and accused Guerrero of orchestrating the attack, prompting Guerrero to reveal Ziggler as the attacker and Long to rehire Edge. Long also gave Edge a rematch against Ziggler, who lost the championship back to Edge and then was fired by Teddy Long. So you want to talk about fucking chaos. I had to copy that down word for word so I could not mess that up because as I'm like going back through things on the network, Jesus. I'm like, wait, who got fired? All right, so Ziggler was, you know, ended up being fired, but what a Whoa. mess there. You know, and what a convoluted storyline. And this is all in one episode. This is, this is, they go off on Raw, hey, look, you're going to be the champion because Edge used the spear. Oh, wait, we're going to, you know, here we go. Here's your coronation. We're going to crown you as the champion. And then Teddy Long comes out and says, wait, playa, holla, holla, holla. <laughs> I found out, you know, I, I'm, you were behind the attack, and I'm going to give Edge a rematch. Edge is rehired, and look at that. Edge wins. <laughs> what a mess. Yeah, and oh. then <laughs> Ziggler was then fired by, you know, Long, so. What a freaking mess. Now, Ziggler is introduced as a new member of the Raw roster. He defeats John Morrison in a singles match, and he's accompanied by Vicky Guerrero, who had been fired from SmackDown. And she was she had to earn her spot in the Raw roster at this point, so. Um, so he jumped ship yeah. on, so wait a minute, he jumped ship to Raw right before WrestleMania. Yes, and this led to the... Uh, WrestleMania 27 match that they had with uh, it was Ziggler along with Guerrero and Lay Cool. They feuded with Morrison, Trish Stratus, and Snooki. Remember oh, this? Um, why I didn't want to. 
Yeah, this is the mixed tag match at WrestleMania 27, and Ziggler, he lost, unfortunately. <sighs> yeah, not a not a great moment for him to you know so suffer hand to defeat from the Jersey Shore whore herself. So, but. so let's, <laughs> let's kind of let's just kind of recap his his year, right? So in 2010, he He's the went, IC champ. He was the IC champion. Had a great series of matches with Edge, teasing a potential world title run, and then jumps to Raw to fight Snooki at WrestleMania. <laughs> I just want to make sure yeah. for everybody listening, we got that right. Yeah, you 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 didn't miss anything there. So <laughs> after Ziggler loses, Vicky, you know, brings him back out later, you know, on in April to say this is the new and improved Dolph Ziggler. He had his hair cut short and it's now brown. He went on to defeat Evan Bourne. You know, and, and, and guess what? The hair, it didn't stay not blonde for long. He rebleached it by May. So I, I was like, oh, the brown hair. I forgot about that yeah, when he had was, it nice and short and what, brown. What was new and improved about it? Was it the hair that he had literally, what? I, I remember the brown hair, but it's just like, like that's the only thing that's changed about him. Yeah, exactly. There, it's not like he had a new moves or no. new theme song, nothing. So, yeah. <laughs> so. You know, he, he has a few matches. He goes against Kofi Kingston, uh, who is the U.S. champion at this time. They have a few non-title matches, and he's able to get the win against Kofi a few times, leading to a championship match at Capital Punishment. And Ziggler goes on to win his first U.S. title. So, Wait a minute. Didn't Ziggler win the U.S. title from MVP? That's what I had thought. Here it says he won his first U.S. title, but hmm. I remember him winning it from MVP, but... Maybe, maybe. If, oh, wait a minute. You know what? I don't know if they're referring to it on Raw because I remember the title switched places at this point. So the U.S. title is now back over on Raw. Yeah, so it switches over. But. Yeah, but I do remember um, after this, I do remember him winning the U.S. title. And after this, he had a amazing two out of three falls match with yes. Murphy. I do remember that. And, and that is uh, number four. Five actually, or no, that's that's one of the honorable mentions on the top five list from fans here. So technically, that would be number six. But it's, <laughs> you gotta love, you know, they always have to throw in that honorable mention, yeah, of course. and that indeed is there. So this was a great match yet again, really showcased both of their tenacity and high flying spirit, and how he was able to combat and counter Kofi's, you know, extreme athleticism. It was it was very good at that point. So. So he basically kept on going with um, a, a pre. I feel like he had a pretty lengthy U.S. title run now. I'm Raw. trying to recall. I believe it was. I don't think he dropped it, right? Uh, I'm trying to look back to when he. Uh, so I have here. Um, he he didn't lose it. I don't think until TLC. So you got quite a long ways to go until that so happens. He went. From, you know, you had Hell in a Cell, Vengeance, Survivor Series, yeah, Night so of I ha- Champions. I have here. He then, looks like he had. Um, it looks like Ziggler had a feud with Alex Riley, defended and retained the U.S. title in a fatal four-way at Night of Champions against Morrison, Riley, and Swagger. Now, that should be fun. Wow. Um, he lost a non <laughs> On September 19th uh, episode of Raw, he lost a non-title match to Zack Ryder when guest star Hugh Jackman pel- punched, uh, punched Ziggler in the face. Yeah, I, I remember know. that when, yeah. you know, you had, <laughs> you had Wolverine out there with the... You know the Broski headband on, going woo woo woo. Oh, it was very uh, God. <laughs> cringeworthy and awkward. And this was one of my hated times with Raw too, where they had the weekly 
you know, special guest host, and they were oh. celebrities that came in, and every week there was somebody different, and it just, you know, it appeased some people, but to me it was just infuriating, and that's why, like, I know there's a few other people in the, you know, the the community that really disliked, you know, AJ Lee's run as general manager and whatnot, but I was quite fond of it just because I was so against seeing the celebrities come in all the time back then. No, I'm right there with you. And, it was just to placate, you know, to the to the general audience. And the problem was, you know, it, it didn't even really work for the casual fans because they no. would come in, they would shill whatever show they had going on. And when they had to go ahead and, you know, announce matches for an upcoming pay-per-view, they couldn't even remember the name of the show. You know, it, it's at the super slow, you know, and <laughs> you would the get su- these At the Summerfest. At the summer fest, you know, and it was just <laughs> <laughs> at lethal leap year, you know, and you yeah. would get these terrible, you no, know, I... segments. And the only decent one that I really enjoyed was Bob Barker. And that was because Chris Jericho made that so memorable. But well, that was just that was a lot of I do remember that one very fondly. Um, but uh, I do. Yeah, the, the, the guest G, the, the guest host thing was I, I get the idea in practice. I understand the 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 business sense behind it in terms of you know again like you said catering to more of a mainstream audience but I felt like they did it way too frequently yeah each week having somebody new and some of the stars yeah they were a big deal you know Hugh Jackman fantastic but having CeeLo you know didn't really fit for what they were going with at the time yes he was a you know multi-platinum artist but didn't fit with wrestling at all. He didn't know what was going on. You know, there, it was it was more often than not just people you could tell didn't want to be there. Jeremy Renner, you know, people like that. <laughs> it was like ah, I don't know what's going on here, but uh, just it, yeah, not a it, not a fan of that at all. Yeah, it was it was very odd. So you know, we saw him beat uh, you know quite a quite a few people in a row here. And, you know, we saw him retain, like you said, against Swagger, Riley, and Morrison for Night of Champions. He went on uh, from there. And uh, he held, like we said, all the way up until Tables, Liners, and Chairs that year. That's when he lost the U.S. title to Zack Ryder. So. Correct. And it looks like, it, you know what's interesting? He, uh, <laughs> this is very interesting how parallel his 2011 year was. Um to his 2010 or yeah i hope i get that right those years right yeah yeah so he goes over to smackdown right so he was with vicky guerrero had the u.s title run came back what you know had the whole thing with and teased the whole thing with the world title with edge right or ic title yeah. run, that was the ic title yeah. Yeah. yeah so then he goes to raw has a lengthy u.s title run until we get to the rumble again and now like Deja Vu at the 2012 Rumble, he's challenging Punk for the WWE title. It's like Deja fucking Vu. It really is history repeating itself. It's so it weird. was, you know, it really is. I mean, of, of the way the stars align, it was just different belts and different different stars, but same matches, same same lineup, you know, yet again. And he goes ahead, and challenges CM Punk, fails to capture the WWE Championship, but. Great match, you know. At the Punk again. This is this is a great time for him as well. So then we get to Elimination Chamber. Ziggler fails to capture the WWE Championship after being elim- being eliminated uh, second by Chris Jericho. I do remember that like they they tied in Ziggler with like Johnny Ace 
with him trying to get the belt off of CM Punk, and they kind of tease that a little bit. He didn't win an Elimination Chamber, and then I also remember, like, he was kind of trying a whole thing with him and Swagger as a tag team for a while. Yeah, and and also, uh, just a note with the Elimination Chamber, he has said multiple times, you know, uh, on record that that was the match he looked forward to working the least. And he left that match with multiple minor injuries, you know, and it really took a toll on him for quite some time. It set him back. He he fell in the ring and uh, mentally as well, so really drained him. You know, it's funny. When a lot of people were bitching and moaning when they made the new chamber, what was it, two or three years ago? They they changed it up because they changed up like the they put padding down. It's like, well, f- there's your fucking reason. Yeah, you think of how many times stars were injured. You know, the wrestlers were were hurt. <laughs> in, in sense yeah, of no shit. Like I can't blame them for that. Like, goddamn. Oh, it's not solid steel anymore. We want to see a bloodbath. Well, yeah. then you're not going to see them again for six months while they're out healing. So yeah, f off. <laughs> yeah, f off. Of that I'm all show. for entertainment, you know, and you, you have color at a match when it calls for it, but you don't want to see unnecessary injuries happen. But he did go kind of float around the tag team scene for a while. They did challenge unsuccessfully for the WWE tag team titles. Uh, Ziggler and Swagger were now part of a, a new tandem because why the fuck not at this point? And they were also announced as the newest members of Team Johnny. At the 12-man tag team match at WrestleMania 28. I actually, you know what's funny? I forgot about this, uh, this 12-man tag team match at WrestleMania 28. Because when, yeah. you think, when you think of this WrestleMania, I think of Cena, Rock, and End of an Era. You don't think of fucking Johnny versus Long. Yeah, once in a lifetime, twice in a lifetime. You think about <laughs> Thrice in a lifetime. Show. Yeah, thrice in a lifetime. So, yeah, there, there really wasn't much you know with this with this wrestlemania that was that entertaining you had you know triple h and undertaker that year that was their hell in a cell match uh yeah that was the end of the yeah. era where sean was the referee because okay, yep. th- those are the two big things that stand out about that wrestlemania and you remember oh yeah there was a gigantic you know we talked about that money in the bank in 2010 that was mid-card um buffet this was kind of the same idea because it was i'm trying to see if i can pull up the list of the people here just because of how um incredibly like just <laughs> I yeah remember. yeah it really was yeah. and this is also when daniel bryan lost in 18 seconds yes so. yeah 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 the fuck man like (laughs) really not a great show like really like when you think about wrestlemania 28 like those are like the two things that come to mind is the rock scene and then uh hell and then the end of an era and then you you know what you should be thinking of sadly you should be thinking of cm punk and chris jericho because that i do remember that match i do remember that match yeah but that was was a great match jericho taunting and slapping punk around the ring trying to get him disqualified and and you know grabbing the chair and everything he did you know the mind games that he played building up to there and Punk pretending to be under the influence of alcohol to pass the DUI test to get his hands on Jericho, and yeah, it I, was I, so good. I do know? remember so, all that. That was that was a really good build. But this matchup featured Ziggler and Swagger teaming with the likes of David Otunga, again our boy Drew McIntyre, <laughs> Mark Henry, The Miz, with at ringside John Laurinaitis, Vicky Guerrero, and Brie Bella. I can't you can't make this shit up, folks. 
against Team Teddy, which was Booker T, Kofi Kingston, the Great Kali, R Truth, Santina Morella, and Zack Ryder, with Oksana, Eve Torres, Hornswoggle, Nikki Bella, and Teddy Long at Ray. What in the God's name? Oh my God! And the winner of this matchup, the the the, the leader of the team, will became would become the general manager for both Raw and SmackDown. And I remember because this was the night where Eve betrayed and and cost um, Zack Ryder, and then she turned. Yeah, she took him to Dick Kick City. But like, that was a brutal, you know, low blow with those heels. But no, but just this freaking this card. I'm looking at the card for this WrestleMania. And it's like, Jesus, this was a WrestleMania. Yeah, they they really had a chance to to you know. I, well, see, knowing what we know now, I was excited for it then. You know, for Cena and The Rock, like I really wish they had Punk and Jericho be the main event, or if not, they should have had Triple H and Undertaker. You know, really showcase and be the main event of that show. But. Going and going off of what we know now, you look back at it and it's like, oh wow, you know what a what a nasty taste that that whole mania leaves in your mouth because it wasn't you know Ooh, yeah. end of an era, it wasn't once in a lifetime, it wasn't <laughs> you know oh it just, my god it really it, it was there was more disservice here so yeah I mean it, you saw Ziggler walk away essentially <laughs> victorious but. We say that with air quotes, but a, but after but after that, there wasn't really too much with him going on for pretty much the rest of 2012 at that point, up until the summertime. So we're gonna skip ahead a little bit here. I'm just gonna kind of read some highlights on this. There's anything you found, Jake? I mean, I had. Uh, a, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, we we do get at. I, I, well, if we get up to SummerSlam, so do you have anything before SummerSlam? Nothing really major. I think that he he did challenge for the world title. At No Way Out in June against Sheamus, but he lost on that. Um, and then uh, it looks like on the following Raw, Vicky Guerrero finally tr- uh, tired of bickering between Ziggler and Swagger, arranged for a match with them. Ziggler won the match, and then Guerrero's affections that split them, that split Ziggler and Swagger up as a team. But other than that, really nothing else major until we get towards SummerSlam. Okay, so. Now we, we work our way up to there, and we get to, uh, like you said, you know, every, everything splits at this point. Yep. And July 3rd, SmackDown, Ziggler defeats Riley to qualify for a spot in the World Heavyweight Championship Money in the Bank ladder match. Yep. And, on, uh, you know, we see um, at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, Ziggler wins the Money in the Bank ladder match. After being so, in a fucking car accident. Yeah, just two days beforehand, you know, <laughs> driving from Comic Con, him and Justin Roberts. So, and they, they, you know, they didn't suffer severe injuries, but definitely were banged up. <laughs> so he goes ahead and he wins the Money in the Bank ladder match, and it was, uh, it was an okay Money in the Bank match. It wasn't great, but later that night, Ziggler attempted to cash in the briefcase on Sheamus after Alberto Del Rio attacked him. Uh, after their match, but Del Rio stopped Ziggler from cashing in. So this is where we kind of got that tease, and it, you know, you knew he meant business at this point in time, right? But you, you know, what's one thing I remember about Ziggler having that briefcase? I know, and I know it's not—I'm obviously jumping ahead here. I know it's not for a while until he cashes it in. I can't wait to get to that part. Yeah, but that briefcase took a fucking beating. Oh, yes, it did. Oh, yes, it did. I mean, even Seamus <laughs> punted it at one point. <laughs> like, I just remember, like, if you think back of all the Money in the Bank briefcases, like, that one was just, like, that one, I, I can't really recall 
any of the other ones being like just I mean that thing was destroyed by like February like it's funny I was looking through and I'm looking through the notes here you take a look at like there's a picture um, if you look right around like 2013 which is right before he cashes it in the thing's fucking so dented and warped it's insane it is that thing is truly beaten next to death <laughs> Uh, I wish I could see the looks in the people's faces when they when they checked it in at baggage. Oh my um, god, must have been hilarious because yeah, because they had that one briefcase that they took around with them at that point. Yeah, they had to, they had to carry it with them at all times. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny that you know they just you hear people being like, yeah, I used to throw sandwiches in there, and I used to have like you know, gear. yeah, yeah, <laughs> my gear, and uh, it just it makes you chuckle thinking like what was thrown in there. So what a rib. Uh, on the build to SummerSlam, Ziggler begins a feud with Jericho. He says, you know, you lost your touch, and you, you're just not the, the man you used to be. You certainly are not, you know, the best in the world, which really set Jericho off, and Jericho starts attacking him on different occasions. And this is the number five fan-voted match of Dolph Ziggler's career. So right here, uh, Dolph Ziggler versus Chris Jericho at SummerSlam 2012. Excellent use of in-ring psychology. Uh, just Jericho, you know, at some of his finest work at this point still, you know, coming after his CM Punk feud and just just an excellent, excellent match. I, I don't know if you recall this one at all. but I do, I do remember that it was seemingly, you know, out of left field with Jericho and Ziggler, but I had a feeling that once – I do remember generally that when this, like, they teased it, it was like, ooh, this could be good. This could be very, very good. And Jericho at this point was, I want to say he was, he was pretty much a part-timer at this point. I don't think he was, I don't think he was full-time anymore, um, at least at this point in time. And because I remember it wasn't too long afterwards. That I think Ziggler's the one that kind of like sent him off of TV. Yes. Yeah. So it wasn't too long after this match. But, I mean, Ziggler did have to tap out to the walls of Jericho at their SummerSlam match. But just, just an Really, really fun match. If you do have the WWE Network and you want to go back and you want to see, you know, Ziggler and, and one of my top favorites as well, not just fan voted favorites, check out this match. You will not be disappointed. So, and then we see him feud, uh, continuing on with. It looks like he starts a few, a very brief feud with Randy Orton. Not too long. Oh, oh, before that, get, oh. Uh, I forgot your point. Um, it was right after SummerSlam. They they had a like. Uh, contract versus briefcase match with Jericho. That's I believe right. He put the briefcase on the line. I remember that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and that's what I loved about these old briefcase runs. Like they meant something because he eventually defended it against Cena. You know, and Cena, yes, Cena wanted yes. the briefcase. That was at uh, TLC later on in the year. That's on the fan list as well. So a lot of 2012 matches. You know, certainly being showcased here, and you know, right before he got in the feud, this is what sent Jericho packing. So he then, he retained his money in the bank contract and sent Jericho on his ass. So and uh, this is where Ziggler begins feuding with Randy Orton, as you were saying on SmackDown. One thing I wanted to throw out to you, Jake, your thoughts about the briefcase being defended? Do you think it, if it's done, the, like if it's done like enough times, do you think it's done the right way that it should be defended like somewhat frequently, or do you think like it should be sparingly? Not like obviously not as much like a championship, but like if it merits it, it should be. Put yeah, on the line. If, if something is equal. Uh, in weight to being put on the line, then I think, you know, if, if it's going to benefit the star, you know, who was holding the briefcase, he wanted to see Jericho gone. So that was a perfect opportunity. And he was so confident in himself, you know, and, and later on, I forget what led up to it with Cena, but 
um, I think it was something with Vicky Guerrero kind of, you know, I think that was goading the, him. I think she kind of like goaded him into it. I think so. I think so. And I'll, I'll check my notes in a little bit. But I also think that's when AJ showed up. Yes, that's when AJ, uh, you know, starts kissing Ziggler, leaving him confused and, yep. and not really sure what's going on. And yeah, they had that. That's when AJ like had that love angle with with kind of everybody after that too. So I mean, it really went <laughs> went crazy in South. But yeah, yeah, this um, brings in Big E and and AJ, and we'll, we'll get there. But yeah, to answer your question, if it's used sparingly, I don't think it should be defended often. But if it's sparingly enough. And it makes sense in in the storyline realm of things. I can suspend my disbelief for just about anything if it's explained properly. Right. And I I think that is something that's truly exciting because the briefcase brings a certain level of unpredictability with it. One of my favorite cash-ins besides Ziggler's, obviously, which we're both excited to get to, is, you know, uh, Seth Rollins at Mania. You know, you knew it could happen, but you didn't expect it. He already wrestled earlier in the night. You know, it just didn't seem feasible at that point in time. And when you get these exciting moments, you know, that that's what makes fans pop. That's what makes people, you know, lose their minds. So, yeah, you know, you want that briefcase to feel special. How do you do that? Well, you have people defend it. You have people, why are they defending it? Because it means so much to them. They would, you know, and so long as there's something warranting them to defend it, though, they can't just do it because of pride and honor. Like, it really has to mean something. Right. Then I'm all for it. That's fair. I mean, I I think that... It's not – I don't think – was that the last time it was put on the line? Um, the Money in the Bank briefcase? I'm trying to think if anybody else defended the Money in the Bank briefcase besides Ziggler since then. I, I'm sure there probably is, and you guys – There had to have been. I, I know I, – I could swear Cena did – no, I know Cena did. Cena did it against CM Punk. No, that was a cash-in. That was a cash in. Yeah, I remember that because it was the, it was a special raw. Yeah, and he he cashed it in so, against Punk. No, yeah. I remember him because the Rock was the champion. The Rock beat. No. Oh no no. no. Okay no, you're right. That was against Punk. That yeah. was a special cash in. Yeah. That was his Royal Rumble win that he defended against CM Punk. Yes, but his yeah. cash in because that the was cash in was against he, CM he, Punk because yes. he lost. He was the only yes, one of two people lose. to. Yeah. Right. Yeah, one of three people. Excuse me, to lose. Yeah, because Baron Corbin lost as well. So, so did uh, so did Damian Sandow. Let's not Sandow. All... <laughs> oh God, all these memories are so. really fun. Um, let's see. So yeah, we, I, we ha- I I have to go back. That's a great question, though. So some people in the Patreon will have to comment and let us know. You know. So let's see. So I want to kind of we have a lot more ground to cover. We've gone through already an over an hour. <laughs> I'm actually surprised. <laughs> so I'm going to kind of possibly skip through some major things here, just because, and I know. There's going to be like a two-year period where we're probably going to very briefly glaze over because, unfortunately, it's a lot of similar stuff. Um, But we'll get to that when we get to that. But we do see that he kind of does a brief feud with Randy Orton. It kind of goes through from basically um, uh, the time that Jericho's contract's terminated up until about uh, Survivor Series. Then we see Ziggler part of the traditional 5-on-5 elimination tag team match opposite Mick Foley uh, where he won the match making um, him a sole survivor, which I wish they would put more emphasis on. I know they kind of make that a big deal uh, only during Survivor Series year, but I feel like they should really... It's another great opportunity for them to capitalize on momentum. Um, But I also remember that that 5-on-5, it was supposed to be I think Punk versus, um, I think it was like Team Punk versus something else, and then they switched to the last minute where Punk was going to put his title on the line on Triple Threat. Yeah. 
Yeah. And you know what's really uh, effing crazy is, um, I believe, let me just make sure if I have this right, if you really want to know um, uh, how crazy this is. You ready for this? So this was the this was the Survivor Series in 2012. And you ready for this? Yes. Th- this is where The Shield debuted. Oh, you're right. <laughs> you want to feel old? <laughs> wow, yeah. Huh. 2012. That you were right. Yeah. I totally the, forgot about that. This is where The Shield debuted. You know? I, for some <laughs> reason, because there's so much that goes on, and I, as much as you're like, yes, I remember that, you have to really, you know, fuel those memories to come back. It took me a minute because I remember that originally it was supposed to be Team Punk versus Team Foley, I think, which I was really looking forward to them going butting heads, even yeah. ver- even verbally. And then they flipped it at the last minute, and they went from a triple threat to Punk defending against Cena and Ryback. And I'm like, wait a minute, that was, yep, that was when the Shield ran in. Yep. Got, yep, yep. So, so the shield has been in existence for roughly on and off six years. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Amazing. Huh? It's been that long. Yeah. I, 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 we're we're not, coming up on, on their anniversary. So November it's time, 18th, it's time for us to collect social security, Jake. Um, yeah. I'm telling you. And, and, and right after this, Ziggler begins feuding with John Cena. Yes. This is, the and one. Uh, this is the TLC defense for the where he defends the uh, money in the bank briefcase and this is in a ladder match and this is when AJ turns yeah she interferes and turns on Cena and you know this is number three on the fans um, you know top five greatest Dolph Ziggler matches and you know suffice it to say fans are not wrong here fantastic matchup the table spots alone in the beginning you know really hard hitting these guys everything but the kitchen sink was used here to beat each other senseless. And like you said, that briefcase just looks mangled at the end. <laughs> it just took such so, a fucking beating. It um, absolutely did. So uh, I do, next week, you know, it, we, we keep going on and uh, I'll let you continue there. So I know that um, we see the following night, he, uh, you know, he's trying to diffuse an argument between Vicky and AJ. AJ kisses Ziggler, leaving him even more confused. Ziggler then attempts to cash in the briefcase on the big show. Uh, I don't know why you would, even if after he was assaulted by Sheamus, but Cena attacks him before the match could start. So that's like, I think like five cash in attempts. And I don't know yeah, why at this point in time, why, and this is, <laughs> why would he do it? The big show? That's the one thing I don't understand. Like of all people, why would you do the big show? Even if it was assaulted by Sheamus, I wouldn't have fucking tried it on the big show. Fuck that. Yeah, and, you know, you see uh, Ziggler teams with AJ to face Cena and Vicky, but the match ends in DQ because this is where Big E Langston, you know, goes ahead and Mr. Five Count himself debuts, yep. attacks Cena, and starts an on-screen relationship between Dolph and AJ. So they, the three of them start to form their own alliance and work together. Correct. And funny thing here, this is where his 2012 ends. He had wrestled the second most TV and pay-per-view matches that year. He did 90 televised matches. However, he had the most losses with 57. So 57 out of 90 matches televised he lost. Damn. And that's how I think of Dolph Ziggler, unfortunately, to surmise him. I always think of him coming up short, and that statistic definitely backs up that thought. You know, you said how many, how many, you know, failed cash-ins, how many failed attempts to capture the IC title, the U.S. title. Yes, he had long runs with both, and he had so many successful defenses. But for some reason with him, it's the losses that stand out in my mind. No, I know. And unfortunately, that's kind of like, it's part of that whole thing with Ziggler. Like, he's that workhorse person. We talked about this at the beginning where, like, and I've mentioned this in several moments, where, like, 
His in-ring ability, I think, is not questionable, but the problem is that we've seen him now for so long. I mean, shit, we're we're about to approach, what, 2013? Yeah, we're about to hit 2013. We're, yep, we're, still, we're in we, January of 2013. We have still fucking five years left to go. And yeah. l- listen to how much he's done. And yet he still at this point in time has not captured the big one. Obviously we're really close to it. And even when he does win the big one, there's a bunch of things and, and other things that's riddled with it. Um, now. Uh, yeah. And, we get to the Royal rumble. He enters at number one last 50 minutes and then gets eliminated by Sheamus. At the 2013 believe, Royal rumble. Who I believe is the one who won it that year. No, 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 I no, believe- no, 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 no. I believe that was the year before. No, yeah, you're right. It was the year before. Shit. Okay, I'm losing my mind. I here. had I had my Royal Rumble stats pushed in in my failed, uh, you know, WrestleMania trivia guest appearance. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah try to remember those. There's better, only you know? so much shit we can remember, folks. Seriously, <laughs> absolutely too many stats. So we see. I remember that because Jericho returned at number two. Um, yes, he came back. Uh, Ziggler was out. He was eliminated. Uh, following night on Raw, Ziggler and Jericho placed in a strange bedfellows match against the champ- uh, tag team champions. Hell no! But of course, they lost after uh, Jericho um, <laughs> after Kane chokeslam on Ziggler and pinned him after Jericho framed him for pushing Kane, which I thought was hilarious. Um, on February 18th, Ziggler was defeated by world champion Alberto Del Rio by submission in a non-title match. Afterwards, Langston and Del Rio then made Ziggler a failed attempt to cash in the Money in the Bank briefcase. After <laughs> after Del Rio's ring announcer, Ricardo Rodriguez, ran off with it. Uh, in 2013 was John Cena's win for the Rumble. Oh, okay. So, oh, that's right, because yeah. The Rock, duh. But, yeah. But, but think about, <laughs> that's but, the one I forgot. Yeah, but think... But Again! Think, but think... <laughs> <laughs> Twice in a lifetime, once in a podcast. Uh, uh, but think of this, folks. On February eighteenth, he lost. He 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 was he lost to Del Rio by submission. And then, even though Langston and AJ tried to help with a cash in, he still failed. And yet, what? Two months later, he would do it successfully against the same person. Yeah. Interesting little note there. Um, but after he defeats tag team champs Brian and Kane in a singles match. Uh, Ziggler and Langston were given tag team title shots at WrestleMania 29, where, of course, they were unsuccessful, and Team Hell No were able to retain the WWE Tag Team Championships. I do remember that because then we get to what is probably the biggest highlight, biggest moment, the biggest memory moment in Dolph Ziggler's career, and I'll let Jake set it up. Yeah, so, uh, you know, we have an injured Alberto Del Rio. You know, he, he has his second World Heavyweight Championship. Well, technically, uh, technically, it's his first. They have. I, 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 went back, I went back, and while we were talking about that, I'm like, I wonder if they officially recognized him, and they and they technically did not. They didn't. Okay, the first time. So, uh, and you know, we see him down and out, and then we hear Ziggler's music go off, and the crowd absolutely erupts. You know, we yeah, see him yeah. come out, and the crowd that pop for that moment was just next level absolutely insane. I think it's it's one of the, you know, the highest rated for crowd reactions. People, you know, come absolutely unglued. He goes ahead, cashes in and just amazing moment for Ziggler here. You know, it kind of feels like everything he's he's been through, everything he's had to endure, this is the highlight of it all. He held the briefcase for almost a year at this point, many failed cash-ins, you know, but he finally captures, you know, the big one. And it was just all worth it at this point. I do, I do vehemently remember this cash, and I think a lot of people do. And 
the thing with this at this point, I think, and I could be wrong here, I think next to Edge, his was the longest money in the like the t- longest time someone's held the money in the bank, except for yeah. Edge. I think this was either next to closest. It was it was up there. It was up there in terms of how long. And you, you know, we said it before with the failed cash in temps, with the numerous feuds, you know, losing the tag. And this, that was the other part too, is that he was you know fighting for the tag team titles at WrestleMania the night before. So you really didn't expect it. Um, and uh, you know, again, we talked about how you just said one of your memories about Ziggler in this time frame was the losses. So to have him be the underdog, come back in, holding the money in the briefcase so long, and just like kind of like. All the reasons he should not cash in. Not only does he finally effing cash in, but he wins and he does it the night after WrestleMania. And I think, I don't know about you, but this is like kind of the one times, and again, I'm a modern fan. I started after two, after the year 2000. But for me, this is when it started to feel like, man, the Raws after WrestleManias are pretty effing awesome. Oh, they, they you know, certainly are. No matter what happens at Mania, the Raws are usually fantastic. You know, you, you, you've you got that crowd. It, it, they just epitomize what it is to be a wrestling fan. You know, they're there from all around the world. They're excited. They're loud. And they are, are ready to just scream their heads off. And that's what makes it even more exciting. When you get that type of crowd reaction where they're singing people's entrance themes, you know, and lyric by lyric, all the chants are just echoed so, you know, just poetically it, it's it's something that you don't get to see that often now so when you do it becomes a true spectacle and when he cashes in the title you see aj just so emotional in the background like she was so excited for him you see her like pretty much reduced to tears it, it, it yeah. just really was a very emotional moment and the crowd is unglued screaming their heads off Big E looks happy like it's just a hell of a moment and you know it, it's number two out of 19 cash-ins in total, it's number two on WWE.com for what was uh, Money the, in the Bank cash What was number one, Seth's? Was Seth's, yeah, yeah for 2015. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so it's a great moment. It's a, it's a feel-good moment. But unfortunately, as we find out, his title run is just swept right underneath his feet, and it's it's for a very unfortunate reason. We do see him gain the world title. He began to feud with Del Rio and Jack Swagger because, of course, Swagger was feuding with Del Rio for the belt at WrestleMania. So then they turned into like a triple threat rivalry. Ziggler was originally booked to fight Del Rio and Swagger in a three-way ladder match at Extreme Rules, which was the pay-per-view after. However, Ziggler suffered a legitimate concussion and then removed the match completely from the pay-per-view and resulting in Ziggler being gone from TV for a month. And I remember this was kind of like an up in the air, like we don't know what the fuck's going to happen because it's like he's injured, but they're not sure. They think he's okay. And this is when they were really starting to take concussions very seriously. And I remember just like the time frame of like, well, what the like, what like what I what's going to he he just won the goddamn title. And then on June 16th, Payback pay-per-view, Ziggler had his first title defense of Del Rio. Um, And interestingly enough, they did something that is very rare in this business, and they once again did a double turn. Ziggler turned babyface by displaying a never-say-die attitude, while Del Rio turned heel repeatedly and ruthlessly targeting his head uh, to take advantage of the concussion, but ultimately won the match and ended Ziggler's reign at 69 days. And... Unfortunately, this would be the, I think, the only time um, we would see Ziggler hold the world title 
as far as I can recall, I feel like there was a second time he might have won it. Maybe it was that that first title run, but like I felt like my heart, I legitimately my heart broke for him. I remember this happening where there was just an uncertain time of like he. I mean, like you just said, number two cash in of all time, huge moment, great ability, great in ring moments. Former, I think at this point we're at to what like two or three time U.S. champion, two or three time Intercontinental. He has a great cash in, and then it's just. It swept. The, I, I, my heart legitimately broke for the guy when this all happened. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is. It was just like, like I said, you know, everything that he had been through. He, he just was able to endure to capture that briefcase, and you know, the crowd erupts into just a total chorus of boos at the outcome because it's love for the now former champion ruining the conquering Del Rio's, you know, triumphant moment. No one wanted to see him as it's, you know, labeled here. This right here is number five on, you know, the double turn they said on, uh, you know, no one wanted to see him lose. No one wanted to see him, you know, not have that title. And for all that he endured and went through and all the losses to have that, that just be such a short run and, it really, you know, took any vindication and threw it out the window. And it was just very unfortunate and, and unnecessary. So, concussion or not, I figured there, there's other ways they could have handled this. I mean, if you think about it, right, so he had his title reign for 69 days, giggity, but he only was on TV for not even, you know, a little over half of it because he was gone yeah. for a month. If not less, yeah, less than half. So. Um Kind of going through here, on Money in the Bank, AJ cost Ziggler his rematch against Del Rio after she prematurely snuck into the ring and hit Del Rio with her own title, prompting the DQ. Following that on Raw, Ziggler ended everything with AJ due to her actions, and AJ exacted revenge by costing Ziggler a non-title match against Del Rio. Then she attacked Ziggler and unleashed Langston on him. So now he's got no affiliation, no association whatsoever. And he's kind of back to basics, unfortunately. He does a brief feud with Langston, um, with AJ Lee at ringside, of course. Ziggler defeats Langston um, after AJ and Caitlin, who was the NXT Season 3 winner, who just recently came back for the Mayon Classic this year. And then this all boiled down to a SummerSlam mixed tag match where we saw Ziggler and Caitlin defeating Biggie and AJ Lee. So it's just, it's... Again, such a really like just heartbreaking year. Um, we do see him uh, try. You know, I'm just going to kind of run through here, and I'll, I'll have Jake jump in if there's anything else. But running through the end of 2013, we see him uh, unfortunately try to capture the U.S. title when he loses to Dean Ambrose and Night of Champions. Um, he also fails to win the IC title from Curtis Axel. And December, Ziggler lost two number one contender matches for the IC title. First to Damian Sandow, and then later to Fandango. So it was 2013. Man, man, that's rough. Yeah, I mean, you know, Bleacher Report had this 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 list. It was you know pretty cohesive here, and you know they they said that his 2013 Ziggler, you know, long connected with fans, most of whom appreciate his hard work and the lengths to which he will go to entertain them. They continue in this article saying. When he suffered that concussion that compromised his reign as world champion in the spring of 2013, those fans feared that he would be one and done as the top star on the SmackDown brand. And at payback, those fears became a reality. Uh, Ziggler, in one of his greatest performances to date, was wholly sympathetic as he sold every targeted headshot Del Rio executed. And fans of Chicago turned on the babyface Del Rio and supported Ziggler. So they got the double turn, but like you said, the rest of his 2013 just fell to shit after that. And even beforehand, it wasn't super strong. It was good, but it wasn't, you know, it really all led up to that cash-in. 
that cash in was was everything. You know, when we saw April eighth, right after Mania, you know, you, you see Jack Swagger beats down Del Rio. Del Rio's injured, his ankles hurting, and then we hear, you know, Ziggler's music come out. The IZOD Center absolutely explodes. New Jersey's at a fever friggin' pitch. You know, and, and, and it did it looked like he wasn't gonna grab the you know the the title either. And he wasn't gonna be successful with his cash in. That's what made it even, you know, more like dramatic and, and just monumental. He goes ahead and you know, Del Rio locks him in with the armbar there. We think he's going to tap, and then all of a sudden he escapes, hits the zigzag, gets the pinfall, and gets the belt. And it's just so triumphant, so, you know, humbling, so, as I said, you know, vindicating for him. He, he had, to, you know, so many trials and tribulations here, and the emotion behind it made you a Ziggler, a Ziggler fan through and through. And for, for that brief period of time, you know, all those losses, in my mind, were washed away. We had our new champion, our new face of the blue brand, and, it, you know, it was just robbed from us all too soon. And from there, I felt like he never fully recovered. They, no. they tried a few times, and a few things happened later on in his career where they go to capitalize on him. But I feel like politics and, uh, you know, backstage antics in the forms of, you know, how other stars would be booked by creative really hindered him, you know, as far as storylines will go. His match quality always stayed consistent, and he performs extremely well, and we know this, but I don't feel he was since then ever given an opportunity as great as when he cashed in. So No, I think that's the best way to sum or summarize that. I think you hit that right on the head. Uh, we, we get we, to the Rumble 2014. We start off here, and he's eliminated by Roman Reigns. Reigns. You can start to see the plot thickening already. So, yeah. with these other, with these next couple of years, and I'm gonna kind of, I'm gonna kind of power through these because we literally have four years to go, <laughs> and yeah. I, and we have a lot more to. We have there's more to in depth. So I'm gonna kind of like briefly glaze through these. Um, yeah, we we'll hit like, the, the high points, and, yeah. and there's not many for 2014, unfortunately. You know, no. WrestleMania 30. He's in the Andre the Giant Battle Memorial Royal. He gets eliminated by Del Rio. Yep. Uh, Money in the Bank. You know he loses he, that. He loses that. Um, SummerSlam. You know he he defeats the Miz to win the championship for a second time. You're like, all right. This you know we we now have the, uh, a new IC champion, and we're like, oh, but you know, <laughs> it's like. How long is this going to be for? Right. You know, and, and it wasn't long at all. Ziggler drops the title to The Miz at Night of Champions, only for Ziggler to win it back the following night on Raw. Yep. So what was the point of that? You know, it just made us feel like you couldn't be confident in his ability. No, he, he was basically playing hot potato once again with the mid-card scene on Raw um, yeah. after this. And then it really didn't pick up until... He was, I gotta admit, it was at least kind of nice to see him involved in this case where he started the whole authority thing. Where he was kind of yes. associated with a very odd pairing of people with like John Cena and I think Eric Rowan was even thrown in there at one point. It was just Ryback was, was in there too. It was just a weird thing. But this was, this was a great moment for Ziggler. It really was. And he got to shine here because they started to build him after they played Hot Potato with the title, after they made him look kind of foolish in a sense. They go ahead and he beats Cesaro. He retains, you know, the triple threat match against Cesaro and The Miz. And then he uh, beats Cesaro two out of three falls at Hell in a Cell. Do you remember why? Um, Hold on. So 
he fought Cesaro and Miz on Raw, and then Hell in a Cell was against Cesaro two out of three falls match. Yeah. So, do you remember why he's winning though? Do you remember what what gave him that that upswing no, and momentum? I don't, I don't remember. Roman Reigns is injured. Really. Roman Reigns had um, surgery at this point, and he was taken out for a few months. Hmm. And I forget what it was exactly, diverticulitis, something like I don't think that was it. That's what uh, Brock Lesnar had. But it was something along those lines. And because Roman was out and injured, he said he had bad stomach pains. He got it you know, investigated, and then he ended up having to have surgery. They shoehorned. Dolph into Roman's role and they knew that because he was not going to be able to make it to Survivor Series they needed to have someone replace that role and everybody else was already where they were supposed to be so they just moved Dolph into Roman's position he basically kept Roman's seat hot and so Roman was supposed to be you know the, the last lone survivor he was supposed to be the one that you know was the lone survivor when Sting debuted and everything had happened to, to culminate in the authority being, you know, usurped and kicked off <laughs> from their, you know, tyrannical rule on, on, you know, WWE TV. We saw the show off here defeat Rollins at the end of this really good survivor series match, you know, the, the classic five on five. And after all the questionable booking decisions, you know, we see Ziggler become this conquering hero. And he gets this, you know, they even say it here, this this more than substantial push that he was, you know, finally allowed to have, all in the vein of knowing that this was Roman Reigns' script that he was acting out. But still, I mean, that does that... Does that take away from it? In my right. mind, kind of, because it wasn't him destined for greatness. He was just a fill-in. He was a footnote. But he's still in greatness, though, or at least... He is, he is. But they take it away from him soon as Roman's ready to go. Okay, and, uh, yeah. You know, that was that was my problem. It, it was not long after that where Roman makes his return. Right, and right. they just pulled it away. And I felt like that was the moment that they should have capitalized on. Everyone was cheering for Dolph. He had this great, you know, presence at the Survivor Series matchup. He himself, you know, just goes up and 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 is able to survive because it was looking awful. Big Show turned on the team. Cena gets eliminated. So everybody thought, oh, that's it. They're done for. And then Sting debuts, and you know we, we get this incredible moment, and Dolph is is you know like no other able to capitalize on it, saves the WWE from the authority at this point, and instead of them you know following on this high note, they just kind of shuffle him around afterwards back into what he was doing because yep. they know that you know he was just a fill in. So yes, he gave us some some great moments, but those moments should have should have been the catalyst for him to be excellent at a regular basis, I feel. No, and when you put it in that way, I, I, I guess that does make sense. I, I can... Yeah, I don't want yeah. to dampen anything that he did because he himself provided excellent content and entertainment. It's just that it saddens me to know that he was, you know, holding, basically keeping Roman's seat warm. Because we heard many times, you know, with, with backstage interviews and things... Former writers have called into shows and whatnot and let us know that, hey, by the way, 
You know, it happened with Cody Rhodes. It happened with, you know, several other stars uh, where they weren't able to reach their potential because they didn't want to outshine Roman Reigns. Right. And that's that's really unfortunate. So I feel I always feel like, you know, Ziggler should have become after that Survivor Series, uh, you know, performance. They should have rewarded him with, you know, these whatever he asked for. And yes, he was the IC champion, but they should have said, all right, well, you get a title shot coming up or you get to pick your number at the Rumble or you get. And he didn't really get showered with praise or, or gifts or rewards of any sort. He just got thrown back into the mid card. Yeah, I mean, I was I was going to kind of – I know we're trying to do, like, in-depth analysis of here of his career. Yeah. But, I mean, you take a look at, like, you know, the huge moment at Survivor Series, Sting coming in, and he'd been the sole survivor and all those great things about the authority. But then you're right. Right after that is just, like, he lost his job when they just randomly fired him, and they came right back in the Rumble, lost. IC title match at 31, which was won by Brian that ladder match, and lost that. And then – and again – I'm going to kind of gloss over this, but for like two years, two years from 2015 to 2017, he's pretty much just floating for the intercontinental championship again. I mean, I'm going to hit some highlights and Jake, by all means, uh, stop me if there's anything that's different. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We see him lose an IC title match against Daniel Bryan in the raw after 31. Uh, Sheamus then starts a feud with him. I remember the kiss me arse match and how stupid that was. Um, then we see him in the Elimination Chamber match for the vacated IC title after Daniel Bryan vacated it, which I remember that because it was the first time they ever did the Elimination Chamber for the mid-card title and for the tag team titles that same that same night, which I thought was yes. weird. And that's like, the one Ryback had won. So. Uh, yeah, we are, we're all yeah. fancy. We're all and fancy. that's where Ziggler should have been rewarded. You know, he should have gotten I, yep. his, his time to shine. Yep. Um Again, he competed in the Money in the Bank that year, which is kind of his M.O., lost again. Sheamus was the one that won that year. Um, we did see Ziggler and Cena, though, win the uh, win in the Beast in the East event, defeating uh, King Barrett and Kane with John Cena as his tag team part in the main event. That's a weird house show at main event, if I ever heard one. That uh, show was very bizarre, anyways. So the- Brock Lesnar taking on the New Day, and you know. And then, and then Finn Balor versus Kevin Owens for the NXT title. It was a weird, weird show. Excellent match there, but yeah, but just a weird show. Uh, <laughs> then they did the whole thing with him and Rusev with Lana. That whole thing was so bizarre. oh, that was so bad too, and no one wanted to be in that storyline. And worst of all, you know, you're supposed to see that Ziggler and Lana are an item, but you know, in in you know, in all reality, <laughs> not their reality, but in real life. You know, we know that Lana and Rusev are getting married in just yep. a few weeks at this point in time. TMZ yep. releases the engagement photo. So now everybody's getting punished with this angle. And, you know, Summer Ray gets thrown into it as well. And it's just, you know, you're a cold fish, Lana. You know, <laughs> all that, you know, glorious cringe that was, was added to it. Yeah, it was just it was just a disaster. They had Summer Rae involved. They revealed the engagement. That whole thing gets killed off. Ziggler then randomly, you know challenges John Cena for the U.S. title with this point seen as the U.S. champion trying to build it back up. Um, the one thing I wish they would have went a little bit longer, though, I know that there was a rivalry he had with Tyler Breeze when Tyler Breeze got called up from NXT, and I was kind of hoping that would be a good thing for either one of them, but as we can see, 
not much has changed from <laughs> 2000 and this was in 2000 end of 2015 was when when uh, Tyler Breeze got called up and they were kind of doing a thing where they were going back and forth it culminated in a match at Survivor Series between Ziggler and Tyler Breeze uh, where Ziggler lost go effing figure Ziggler would then go on to a feud with Kevin Owens for a bit then again we got the set the, the 2016 Royal Rumble he enters in number 28 lasting seven minutes but of course gets eliminated by Triple H. That was the Royal Rumble, by the way, that was for the WWE Championship where Roman Reigns put the belt on the line. That was the first time ever that the champion had to defend the title in the Royal Rumble match, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Uh, but but nothing really major on that one. No, no. And, and you know, again, Triple H wins that one so that we end up seeing Roman Reigns. I was there. On man. Triple H. I was there. Ugh. Yeah, you were there in person for that one, dude. The, and the I, the one thing I say is the sea of booze of a hundred thousand people was absolutely hilarious to me. Was it that was when just, Triple H rode out on the motorcycle with the uh, the police in tow? No, that was when um, that was when Stephanie had like the the, the skull mask. The Lily oh, Lily. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah and she yeah, came yeah, out yeah. on the balcony doing her speech first. Yeah, that was so hell weird. of an entrance. That must have been really cool to see, but. But, uh, but but the sea of booze was just absolutely hysterical. Oh, um, I could I can't even begin to fathom the goosebumps you must have gotten from uh, you know hundred thousand strong just booing in unison. We really see like this weird thing where like Ziggler kind of teases the whole thing with the authority for a little bit. He has a match with Kevin Owens for the IC title at Fastlane, which he loses. Ziggler competes in again the latter match for the Intercontinental Championship, but loses that. He does a brief feud with Baron Corbin, who gets called up right after WrestleMania 32. We're now in 2006 now. He does a brief feud with Baron Corbin, who got called up, who won the Andre the Giant. 2016. Yes, 2016. Did I say 2006? Yeah, you pulled on me, <laughs> dude. We're we're we've been on this for almost two hours now, which I'm very <laughs> surprised at. We're 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 kind of we're glossing over some things here. Um, yeah, well, you know, you you hit it. There wasn't much to cover at this point. The only thing I want to note that we we you know didn't really get to see at this point for 2016. I think the only thing you know because we get to the draft, he gets sent to SmackDown. His um, match with he, Dean. Yeah, you know yeah. the match with Dean was was excellent. So. Uh, he wins a six packs challenge to become the number one contender for the WWE championship. And he defended his contendership against Bray Wyatt to, you know, basically silence the critics. He won the match. He was attacked afterwards by the Wyatt family. And (laughs) they also laid out Dean Ambrose when he attempted to save Ziggler. So uh, Ziggler was defeated by Dean at SummerSlam, but that was a very good match. You know, this this was the one time I figured he was going to shine and actually did so in 2016. Because up until then, we, we hadn't really seen anything of note from Dolph Ziggler. Right, right. And that, and that, that, that at least kind of created some sort of intrigue or interest for it. Yeah, so, you know... It, we see him, you know, start to to kind of get his flair back about himself, you know, a little bit of swagger in his step, and then he enters into an excellent feud with the Miz. Yes, I will say that that was a very good one. And this is one of my favorite matches, and it also coincides with the number one match. I mean, we haven't gotten to No Mercy yet, but this is the feud: Dolph Ziggler versus the Miz for the IC title at No Mercy 2016 is my number one favorite match for Dolph Ziggler, and it's also number one on the fan favorite list voted in here. And fantastic match. I mean, we even see the reemergence of the Spirit Squad here. You know, Miz is playing mind games, having Maurice interfere constantly, and 
you know, he has several members of the Spirit Squad try and, and you know, screw over Ziggler as well, and they use that angle of saying that's all you ever were, that's all you ever will be, is, you know, a shell of your former self, and um, great match, great feud, and, you know, Ziggler ends up winning the IC title for the fifth time, and this saves his career, and I yes. agree with that wholeheartedly. No, I, I agree. I, re- I remember very wholeheartedly this was a uh, an excellent just, like, it was this, it was similar, but it was a very big refresher because Miz and Ziggler really hadn't touched much. And on top of that, it was a very refreshing, realistic one where you had again that real life whole idea of you know whether or not Ziggler can get the job done. That was played in the factor. I remember very distinctly at that point in time there was rumors that Ziggler's contract was coming up at that time. So there yeah, was that he a, was going to leave. And, yeah, you know, there, there was Miz other, had his Miz TV showing you know the lowest career moments of, of Ziggler as well. So they were really showcasing him in a negative light. And, you know, they they really just ostracized him endlessly. They bullied him about the Spirit Squad, and that's when they brought back Kenny and Mikey, who looked somewhat out of shape, and, and you know, they, they were trying to make the parallels of, of, you know, him to Ziggler now. And so it was, it was a lot of, you know, defamation of character, and Ziggler rose above it all and was able to save his career in the process. Afterwards, it really wasn't, I mean, as great as that was, really not a whole heck of a lot um, he did become. That's the thing. Yet again, they don't they don't capitalize on on you know nope. he has these incredible moments. Yep. Standout performances, great, great, great matches, and then they just they fuck it up. I don't even know how else to put it, but you know, Survivor Series, he's he's the lone survivor. Oh, we're gonna do nothing with him afterwards. Oh, look at that. He's the he's the you know the the IC champion for an entire year. Let's put him in a match with Snooki. You know, <laughs> it's just. Continually, every time, you know, we, we, we have, you know, him cash in the briefcase. Oh, we're going to have him lose it, you know, 30 days after or 60 days after. You know, just these kind sensing of things. Sensing a so. pattern here. Sensing a pattern here. Just um, like you sensed before. So, I mean, it, it, history has repeated itself too many times. We do see him challenge AJ for the WWE Championship one time. Uh, but, however, he did put his number one contendership on the line uh, against Baron Corbin. But, ultimately, um, Styles did retain, obviously, his WWE Championship. This leads us into 2017, where really up until about the WrestleMania, you know, really wasn't again doing anything major was feuding with Apollo Crews for a little while even had a whole thing with Jerry Lawler for a little bit Kalisto was also mentioned in there um, but ultimately this led to uh, his two major roles I felt like for most of 2017 involved uh, both involved interestingly enough um, uh, getting over new NXT talent and in this case it was Shinsuke Nakamura, who came in right after WrestleMania 33, and then it was Bobby Roode who came in right after SummerSlam that same year. Um, yes, that's that's a great point. In 33, Ziggler, yet again in the Battle Memorial, you know, Memorial Battle Royal, and doesn't win. So, I mean, like you said, patterns with him. That it really is eerie how how many times history repeats itself with Dolph Ziggler. So, I mean, I, I don't think we need to go too much into detail about the Nakamura and Roode thing because I think realistically we know kind of where they end up because it's the same idea where Ziggler's there to get them over and to get them to to be at the level that they're at. This brings us roughly to towards the end of 2017 where he teases something that we're kind of hoping for uh, for a new change where he starts to undergo a a gimmick change as he were and he said that he was going to do different, he does different entrances of different wrestlers he starts mocking people's entrances which of course leads to his 
rivalry with Rude because he just claims that Rude is nothing but an entrance. Um, Which ended up being true at that point, unfortunately. Like <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> imitating art, you know? Uh, we do see that... Um, we do see uh, Ziggler surprisingly almost out of nowhere capture the U.S. title at the end of 2017, and this was a bizarre move. He he wins it at Clash of Champions, defeating uh, Corbin and Bobby Roode in a triple threat match to win the second U.S. title. Yes, I can't believe he's only won the U.S. title a second time at this point. But then yeah. on the next episode of SmackDown, he says the fans didn't deserve him and dropped the belt and left the ring and just walked away. Now, recently, we, we got a little bit more insight to that. He did an interview with, I think it was Sports Illustrated at this point in time, and he said that the reason was he wanted to be gone for months. He wanted to leave and have this be a big impact. But the way his contract was set up and the only thing that they would allow him to do was he was only gone for three weeks. Yep. He was gone for three full weeks at this point in time. Yep. So he did with it what he could, and he felt like he tried to make the biggest impact. People you know, always said, oh, you were gone for so long after this, but that wasn't the case. And he tried to make the biggest impact that he could, and he said that he wanted it to, to reinvent himself in a, in a different light, but it didn't work. Creative didn't give him enough leeway and time away to make it seem viable. So all of this was wasted by Creative forcing him to come back sooner than he liked. Which makes sense. I mean, because you could tell there was like a frustration because he came back at the Rumble only three weeks later as a surprise number 30 entrant, which really was like, well, there goes that rivalry right there. Um, we saw. Gets eliminated by Finn Balor quickly, you know? Yep. <laughs> yep. And pretty much, once again, you guys guessed it, he gets involved in a WWE Championship match at Fashley in the Fatal Five Way, which I remember being just an absolute. I mean, that was fucking chaos. I remember how fun that was. Like, if you like car crashes, I definitely recommend checking out that match. But then we get to WrestleMania 34. Yes, this past WrestleMania. And bet you can't guess what match he's <laughs> taking part in. The Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Was he in every every one of them? Uh, I think he was in all but one. So He was in 30. He was, oh, 31. 31 and 32. 31. No, and 32 because yeah. he was in the IC title match. So, yeah. Oh, my God. But. Yep, 30, 33, 34, so. Yep, and so, of course, the the recent thing we're going to talk about now is, realistically, aside from the loss to Shane McMahon uh, <laughs> at World Cup, is his allegiance with Drew McIntyre. That's what's kind of been really uh, his main shtick lately in 2000, or I shouldn't say lately, in pretty much all of 2018. So coming off of... Yeah, it reignited and reinvigorated his, his you know latest run. Yeah, and I think that, for me... We kind of looked past Ziggler and we looked right at McIntyre and this being like a platform for him. I heard a lot of people making comparisons to uh, Sean and Diesel, which yes. I, which and I really like. That's a, a great comparison. But when you think about it, and, and I really didn't actually consider this until right now, think about what you said earlier. He was there to put over the younger talent. He did it with Nakamura. He did it with Bobby Roode. He did it with Kevin Owens. He did it with, you know, so him being in this role to elevate McIntyre makes sense tenfold. Mm -hmm. and now so it's, it's not that much of a question of us to look right past Ziggler to Drew. 
Right. Now, obviously, we did see that they captured the Raw Tag Team titles uh, back on September 3rd, defeating the B Team of Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel. But it wasn't long until recently, just as long as a couple of weeks ago, that they ultimately lost those Raw Tag Team titles back to Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. And was actually teaming in Elijah, obviously, with Braun Strowman, like we've seen in recent months. Uh, but even that seems to have dissolved. We're not sure if Ziggler and McIntyre are still a team at this point in time, because only time will tell following that lovely Crown Jewel pay-per-view. But that's pretty much where we wrapped up at this point. And holy crap, that was a career. Yeah, I mean, huge retrospective here to go through. But, I mean, and you figure people have been in the business much longer than Dolph has. You know, all in all, you figure from when he started in 2006, you know, debuting in, in WWE. I mean, before that with Kerwin White in 2005, we had said. But even still, you know... He's he's got a good 13, 14 year career under his belt at this point in time, and yet I feel like, for as many great matches and and entertaining spots as he's had, it's never been so much his fault of being hindered by, you know, the, the creative process. Essentially, I feel like he's always been held back in lieu of some other talent. You know, whether it be John Cena or CM Punk. Or, you know, Edge at certain times, even you can say now with McIntyre, no matter, you know, Reigns before that, I feel like he's always been the, the bench warmer. And unfortunately, that, that moniker, that, that title stuck with him time and time again. I mean, you know, looking back at this, it is kind of, you know, especially looking back again. For the, especially the moment where he cashed in in the world title run and lack thereof. And we've heard this before where, like, you know, Vince can very easily sour on people. You know, we take a look at the Finn Balor and the Daniel Bryan situation. I said this at the very beginning where I felt like Ziggler was a kind of a pre Daniel Bryan, an underdog that came through, took the reign, uh, took the, you know, the ring, and then ironically, a concussion ended up kind of killing that. Do you think that? Had it not been for the concussion, and I know this is a big what-if scenario, do you think if it hadn't been for the concussion that he suffered in 2013, do you think Ziggler would be a much bigger, a, a better big-time player now because he'd have like maybe multiple world titles? Like I'm thinking he'd be more along the lines of an edge. You really think so, huh? Um, it's, it's tough. To, I, I know it's tough. To it say. is so tough to say. It really is. I mean, and he, he could have, you know, changed his gender and identified as a woman at this point too. Had he, <laughs> that might have been a little more likely. But no, you know, I honestly feel like because I had, I have also heard that that was kind of WWE's plan. Even you know, the matches would have played out a little bit different. The feud might have gone one month longer. But I feel like that was kind of his destiny at that point. Unfortunately, I feel like they always viewed him as someone safe and reliable so they wanted to force him to be in the mid-card scene knowing that he would elevate the, whoever he worked with and consistently deliver good entertaining matches so you think that that was the plan all along i i truly feel like he was held back intentionally uh knowing that he would be the guy that they could depend on and he has been mr dependable for almost his entire career you know, he, he's not quite Mr. WrestleMania. He's not quite, but he could be. He could be the best in the world unless Shane McMahon's around. You know, he could be everything that they need or, or want him to be, but they never let him be. 
and it. It, it's it's really unfortunate. It is, but it is interesting. I mean, you guys can go back and see a ton of great matches, and that's the best thing about Z- one of the be- better things about Dolph Ziggler is his in-ring performance. Definitely is not one of the negatives of his uh, of his career. Now, Jake, you said you had a top like moments and matches of his career. Want to run through the top? Uh, you said top five he had. Yeah, um, we 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 start off here. Let me pull this back up quick. Um, Dolph Ziggler versus Chris Jericho. That's SummerSlam 2012. Okay. Again, we said you know that was that was just overly fantastic. Even though he lost there, it's certainly one you want to go ahead and witness for yourself. And that was number five. That was number five. Number four is Dolph Ziggler versus Edge for the World Heavyweight Championship, and that was at the Royal Rumble 2011. Again, not a moment where he's victorious, but he really showed us why he should have been. You know, he he should have captured the the, the belt that night from Edge. My God, what a match! Uh, just nonstop action. And tons of false finishes, but they were so believable. And and you want to the closest I've ever seen somebody pull off a, a, a you know a false finish three count, where it was like two and nine tenths, goes to Ziggler here. You know he oh, was I able to kick that out. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was so impressive with those the timing. You know, and that's really easy to mess up in these scenarios. You know, a lot of times you see the referee. Oh, it was two, but clearly his his hand came down for three. You know, the shoulder was still down. He, he just proved that he was an, an, an all-out workhorse and, you know, a real scholar of excellence. So that's number four. Number three is Dolph Ziggler versus John Cena for the SmackDown Money in the Bank briefcase. He defended it at TLC 2012. And here, you know, he elevated Cena in this match as well. Mr. Five Moves of Doom started to get more um, comfortable in the ring, it seemed like here. He was, you know, a little bit less and less uh, utilizing his you know, typical repertoire of moves and kind of breaking out a bit. And these two beat the living hell out of each other. We saw some great table spots, uh, ladder spots, chairs were used. You know, they really went into the TLC namesake here and they beat the snot out of each other. We also saw, you know, Vicky and AJ get involved again, but it, it certainly is worth watching. Number two is Team Cena versus Team Authority Survivor Series 2014. Obviously, this is the debut of Sting in the WWE. Excellent match here. Um, goes without saying, you know, you see so many uh, uh, predictable final stars standing and, and getting pinned and defeated. You know, we saw Big Show turn and go ahead and take out John Cena. So Cena is out. We figured he'd be the last one left, but no, it's Ziggler. And Ziggler wins the match and is able to usurp and remove the authority from WWE. So exciting. So many memorable moments from that whole night, especially, you know, obviously with Sting debuting, but to see Triple H and Stephanie on the outside freaking out, getting involved, pulling the ref, and then you just, you know, you get to see Ziggler pin, (laughs) you know, Seth Rollins at the end. Just an amazing moment, and uh, certainly, you know, something should not be missed. Uh, Honorable mention, as we had said before, you know, many of his feud with Kofi Kingston, but uh, not so much a match. You definitely want to witness his cash in, though. As we had, you know, stated before, yeah, that's something absolutely. you want to see against, uh, you know, that should be number one. But that's that is a match, but that's not really a full on match, but certainly, you know, an excellent one to witness. But number one uh, for me, anyways, Dolph Ziggler versus The Miz. And that was for the IC Championship at No Mercy 2016. We saw the return of the Spirit Squad and Dolph had so many obstacles to climb, so many mountains to, you know, go ahead and traverse. And he conquered every hurdle 
and just the two of them shine brighter than you've ever seen before. You know, it, it, just a really highly athletic, great match. Certainly worth going to the network and watching. If you haven't seen it before, make sure you check it out. And it's just excellent. It shows why Ziggler is considered one of the greats in so many fans' minds. You know, and 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 that's the thing. You know, I I hope that this isn't, uh, you know, the only time we get to see him at the top of the mountain. I really hope that someday soon we get to see him as champion again. I'm not so sure we'll get there, but he certainly deserves it. Well, never say never. And, of course, we want to hear from you guys. Let us know your thoughts, your favorite matches, moments, and memories of Dolph Ziggler. And some suggestions for the next one down here in the comments. Of course, you can hit us up on social media. You guys know me. I'm at OKFabe. My good friend, Jake, at Countdown Ended. Whew. Man, I don't know about you, but I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm terrified if we get, like, an old-school wrestler that we're going to be going on for, like, <laughs> for like five hours on this one. So Absolutely. This, well, this, they, they, they certainly get their money's worth for extra content. No kidding. Uh, so this was fun. This was a blast. Jake, what did you think of the first wrestling retrospective? I loved it. I had a great time. I know I talk too much as is. So, you know, you and I get together, and everybody's got to watch out, you know? Put a live <laughs> mic in front of us, and <laughs> entertainment will be had. Oh, my God. I, th- I think the second episode needs to be about Ian Marie. That's going to be like... Gonna be like <laughs> That'll take us three minutes. I, I, uh, in more ways than one. Anyway, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I appreciate the team. Let's more again. Hit the big button account. And I'm okay, Dave. We'll see you guys next time.